and replace Ian Lee. He's so arrogant. Someone said that to, to John. Wowzers. Wowzers. But to this week, I want to have a nice week. We've got some really horrible stories this week, OK? And there's all nasty things going on in the world. Can we do some nice things as well? You heard me say thank you to Catherine Boyle. Today, can we thank people? I want, to th- I want you to phone up and thank people. You can have your tongue in your cheek slightly if you want. But just phone up and thank people. 08459 455 555. Some of the other stories we've got, and I said some of them are a little bit uh, bit heavy this morning. The BBC has discovered evidence of a third death at a private surgery centre in Hertfordshire. With less than a week to go until Christmas, can you tell me how you've bought most of your presents? No one goes shopping anymore in the shops. I was surprised. When a couple of members of the team said, oh yeah, the weekend went Christmas shopping in Milton Keynes. I went, went into town in Luton. What? what why? No one actually goes to the shops to buy their Christmas presents anymore, do they? Have you not got computers? Christmas has been delivered to my house. I've not once stepped out in a high street at all. And, as I said, we're saying thank you to everyone. Let's be nice. There's so many horrible things going on in the world. Let's put those to one side for a little bit and say thank you. Who do you want to say thank you to? Lots of ways to get in touch. Go to the Facebook page. We're going to get the Facebook up and running. I want it to be busy, busy, busy this morning, please. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send us a text if you're shy. 81333, starting your text, 3CR. Or, and this is the best way to do it, I want to hear voices. Give us a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. And here comes a member of my team. His uh, his work experience is Ollie. Good morning, Ollie. Good morning. You're bringing me uh, the, the reads I have to do. Can I just say, th- uh, Ollie, for all of the hard work that you do um, throughout the, the the last few months I've been here, thank you very much. You're very welcome. There we go. You see, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Who would you like to say thank you to? Let's just let's just try and get some some cheer, shall we? Now, a more serious uh, story. Over the past few months, serious concerns have been raised about a private surgery centre in Hertfordshire. At the beginning of November, we spoke to Michael Nancy from Hitchin, whose sister died at the centre, which is on the Lister Hospital uh, in Stevenage. Antoinette Mancy was 87 and had gone in for a routine knee operation. Well, now our colleagues at Inside Out have new evidence of a third death. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, has got more on this story. Good morning, Justin. Hello, Ian. What what can you tell us about the surgery centre? Well, the surgery centre on the site of the Lister Hospital only opened last year. It was built and managed by a private company, Clinic Centre, part of the construction giant Carillion. Now, the nurses and surgeons, they are seconded from the NHS, and it treats NHS patients. Inspections by the Care Quality Commission have repeatedly found failures in key standards, and it's been been investigated over the loss of eight and a half thousand patient files thousands of eye patients failed to get appointments leading to at least six people suffering irreversible eye sight loss that's according to the local clinical commissioning group so it's already facing criticism isn't it this place it is indeed already facing criticism over the unexpected deaths of two other nhs patients following low risk operations and after a catalogue of other errors and all new referrals for joint or eye surgery have now been suspended 
recommended by NHS Hertfordshire. And we've spoken, haven't we, I think, to one of the relatives of those patients. But yes, you might remember last month our reporter Sophie Solaria, she spoke to the brother of 87-year-old Antoinette Mancy. She went to the Clilly Centre, owned, uh, well, she went there for a, a routine knee operation, but died four days later. Michael told Sophie what happened to Antoinette went into hospital. She went into hospital because she had uh, an arthritic knee and uh, it, the pain was so excruciating towards the end she could hardly walk. The hospital operated on her, r- replaced the knee joint. Uh, for the first two days she was getting on very well. So that went according to plan? That went according to plan and the surgeon made a fantastic job. The, uh, on the Thursday I noticed her speech was a little bit slurred and she mentioned to me that uh, she wasn't passing any water. So to make this clear, from your recollection you can't remember the hospital ever giving her any fluid? No, there was no drip at the side of her bed at all. I can vouch for that. Well, Michael now explains what happened next. She was coming out on the Friday, so I rang up the hospital more or less to make arrangements to bring her home. Next thing, I get a telephone call, come straight away, because she's in intensive care. I managed to kiss her for the last time, and the last word she said to me is, have you had your dinner? (laughs) Which I said yes. Well, Michael also showed our reporter, Sophie, the death certificate and explained what it said. Hospital says on the... Uh, That's the death certificate, yes, is it? Bronchopneumonia, total knee replacement and acute, acute kidney injury. You don't believe this? Well, I believe she had acute kidney injury because she wasn't hydrated. If they had monitored her, she'd still be here today. And just lastly, Michael said he wants to see the documents relating to the death. The coroner said there wouldn't be an inquest, and I left it at that, because I thought if I started to protest, it would be quite fallacious, and uh, I'd get nowhere. I would like to see all the documentation, how much drug she was given, how much fluid she was given, and lots of other things. Oh dear, what, what's, uh, what's happened now then, Justin? What's the big question? Uh, BBC Inside Out East, they have discovered that NHS Hertfordshire has also ordered an independent review into three unexpected deaths. Now, the third death has been confirmed by the Chief Executive of NHS Hertfordshire, Dr Jane Halpin. But when the BBC contacted Carillion, a spokesman denied a third death was under investigation. Hmm. Now later, we will be hearing from the programme's producer, Julian Sturdy, and also the Labour MP for Stephen McPartland. Uh, Justin, thank you very much for that. We'll speak to you later on in the show. Thanks, Ian. There we go. See, I like Roy Orbison. I like it. Let me rephrase that. I like his voice. He just never had very good songs. This is a great song. I like this song a lot. But most of his other songs are a little bit rubbish. You got it. I don't like... What's the creepy one where he's, um, he's going to creep into someone's... Oh, I drove all night. That's really unpleasant. The sentiment in that... When, we won't do it over Christmas, but in the new year, when everyone's feeling miserable, we'll do a top ten of uh, creepy, stalkerish songs, including that and Every Breath You Take by the Police. Uh, 08459 455 555. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Two things that will be kind of uh, cool to get your input on. Christmas. Christmas is pretty much sorted now. I've wrapped everything. Had a, a really boring two hours yesterday wrapping things. I hate wrapping things. And also I'm a boy, so I wrap things terribly. There's bits sticking out, bits of ripped. I've not put bows on or anything like that. I've just put your cheap paper from the Poundland, 
some stick written on in pen to to such and such from me that's it hate it but christmas is done and everything i bought for christmas i'm trying to think yeah every present i've bought this year i have bought online and i've done that for the last i definitely did it last year i think there was a mixture of both the year before every present i've bought i have bought online is there anybody anybody who is stupid enough to go out and and buy things in a shop for Christmas. You know it's going to be busy. I mentioned this to Justin Dealey, who it turns out really is stuck in 1978. Justin, do you go out, do Christmas shopping? Yeah, I like to touch and feel, like to touch and feel. <laughs> he actually said those words at half past five in the morning. There's Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie. Yes. Can I just say, we're thanking people this morning. Can I just say, every morning, every morning you turn up on time, you really do a cracking news bulletin and you really do hit those jam cams. And so I'd just like to say thank you very much, Sophie, for all your work. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, We're asking you to thank people this morning and you're all being very, very nice. Uh, And lots of you are sending... I'm going to read one out. I don't normally do the self-congratulatory pat on the back texts and emails because uh, i get uncomfortable i never know how to react and i also it's not particularly good listen so we've had lots of these so i'm going to read one out this is joe and philip from Whitchurch. Uh, ian we'd like to thank you for getting up so early and putting on a lovely breakfast show merry christmas that's the only one of those i'm going to do so thank you for everyone who's sending those in but maybe there's someone in your life maybe you want to thank your mum the milkman the milkman do you remember those do you remember those the Meltman don't exist anymore. They, were ex- they, they became extinct in 1979, I think. And I'd like to thank Robbie Williams for all of the great songs. Oh, I, can't, I can't do that. I cannot do that at all. Now, Christmas shoppers spent up to £2 billion at the weekend. <clears throat> that was just my wife. In a crucial two days for present buying. This coming weekend, record sales are also expected. Not sales of records. That would be crazy. Have you done your Christmas shopping yet? I'm good. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm clean. It's over. If so, what, was, what went over for you? Was it the festive experience of going into Milton Keynes or Luton or any of the big towns and going into the shopping centre? Or was it the luxury of sitting at home with the telly on, laptop, cup of tea, and doing it all online? Well, we're joined now by uh, retail expert from Hertfordshire, Danielle Pennington. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. What did you for, opt for, shops or the net? I've done a mix of both. Um, So I do like the um, Christmas atmosphere in shops. I like seeing what's available and and getting involved in all the noise and what have you. Um, But equally, there are some things that online is just the perfect way to do it. The big bulky items that are delivered to your door, as long as you're in, when it's right. Well, that that is one of the... There aren't many downsides I can think of to the online shopping. But yet, being in, when I'm lucky, because I do a ridiculous job, and I'm in my house by 9.30 nearly every morning. Uh, so I can get those deliveries. But if you miss that delivery, it can be a nightmare, can't it? It can. You can either end up having to knock on the houses down the road um, oh, because it's been delivered randomly, or perhaps you've got to go back to the delivery office to find it and stand in long queue, or you've got to phone a number, you've got to find um, the courier company, their, their office near you. Um, so it can actually be quite difficult. So whilst it feels nice to sit at home and do your shopping online, I think delivery is still quite a big issue for people. You said the atmosphere. You enjoy the atmosphere, Danielle, of going actual shopping. It's horrible towards Christmas, though, isn't it? It's too busy, people rush around, everyone's grumpy. It's a miserable experience. It certainly can be. If you pick the wrong moments, so I can imagine... I didn't go to the shops this weekend. I was lucky. I was visiting friends, so I saved that. But I can imagine it would have been quite 
awful really so that's the difficult thing with shops you've got to time it right because you don't want to be there when everyone else is there because then you are just in this mad crowd and what should be a great atmosphere turns into a bit of a bun fight and it's no fun for anyone also online is is cheaper isn't it due to various illegal tax dodges but it's 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 still cheaper not always, actually. Oh. Um, uh, savvy shoppers now know that the online is a great place to do price checking, but there are often times these days when the stores are just as good, and if you can then know that you can take it away with you, so you go to the store and you take it away, then mm. then you've got it in your hand, and that's that present off the list. That can be quite a reassurance for people. Um, and sometimes, actually, stores are cheaper. And the other side is that people don't necessarily want lowest price. You want good quality. Perhaps you want the guarantee of being able to take it back if it doesn't work or if it isn't the right thing. And stores still are felt to be the place to be able to do that. You have a point, yes. Returning stuff online. I I don't want to go down the post office and and pack it and do all that. That is a nuisance, isn't it? It is. And particularly if you've got to pay to return it, which a lot of companies still expect you to do. Danielle, have you finished? Are you done now for Christmas? Not quite, but that's only because I've got a daughter who I don't quite know what to get for her. How old is she? She's 12. Oh, ah, see, if it was younger, younger daughters I'd have been good with. Uh, is she, I, I'm guessing she's possibly out of the princess phase now, isn't she? She is. Yeah. She's sort of verging on the teen, but Ooh. not quite there. So, yes, it's a little bit of a tricky one, but we'll get there. Get her an iPhone. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, my tongue is in my cheek, but there'll be people, there will be parents buying iPhones for their, their 10-year-old kids this year, which is crazy. Yes, there will be, but what's interesting is that the credit crunch, the recession, the economic downturn, all of that has actually made us more sensible people. Mm. And so that sort of over-the-top gifting, there's less of it now than there was in, say, 2008, 2007. People have been much more sensible. They're also narrowing down the number of people they buy for, that they buy for people that they actually want to give gifts to, but equally that they know what to get them. Um, so it's not buying the random toiletries that, that look nice. As I get older, Danielle, and uh, I, I, I bought a couple of these for my for my wife, I've done it for my mum, and I, I think I'm getting something. I, w- instead of buying presents, we're buying experiences. So I'm taking my mum to see... Mat- oh, she, oh, no, she won't be listening. I'm taking my mum to see Matilda uh, in, in the West End, and I've, I've bought tickets for my wife and my son to go and see a show. So things like that are, are, are getting... Are they kind of taking prominence over your actual gadgets and presents and things? They are, actually. And, and, and friendship groups is another way, you know, instead of buying presents for your friends, people are saying, let's just go out for the night or let's all go around someone's house and have a night in. Experiences are becoming more common um, because it's a nice thing to mm. do. And, and then you know people have enjoyed what you've spent as opposed to getting them something that they might like, but then again, they might think is a little bit... Danielle, I'm going to put you on the spot this morning because there's all this horrible news going on around the world and we want to kind of lift it a little bit. We're asking people if there's anybody that they want to thank at all. Danielle, I've put you on the spot. Is there anybody in your life that you just want to say thank you to? Oh, I've got some fabulous friends here in Harpenden. We, we, to be honest, we've had a slightly difficult year, and they've been fantastic. And I think friends are worth their weight in gold. And if you can go out and have a lovely night and forget everything and just enjoy being with your friends for Christmas, then that's perfect. Danielle, lovely to talk to you. Thank you for coming on. Have a lovely Christmas. Well, there you go. You see, experiences are the way forward. We are asking uh, uh, people to thank other people. So join in. Now, I'd like to thank our reporter, Serena Farrow, for going out into Luton and finding out who you'd like to thank. Does that make sense? Almost. My children. Because when I lost my memory, they were there for me. 
it just happened. I was at university and I dropped out of university. I just lost my memory, was in bed for six months. This was in 1996 and I'm just getting back on my foot now. My daughters, because just about they look after me. I'm, I'm a pensioner and I'm, I'm widower. Thank you to Monsignor Kevin in the Holy Ghost Church. He gave us the permission to have our Polish Mass in the church. Oh, my kids. Because they've been there for me. I've uh, been going, going through a tough time at the minute. My sister, because she's always been there for me. She's good support and my mum died and so she's always been there for me. I would like to say thank you for my husband because my life totally changed since we met. And uh, it's the greatest things that happened with me. So thank you. It's a little bit schmaltzy. I don't care. It's Christmas. If you can't be schmaltzy over Christmas and drop your cynicism, even for one day, then shame on you. Bar humbug. Who would have thought that that package would open with a lady saying, I want to thank my children. They were there when I lost my memory. There's a story I want to follow up. I want to know more about that woman now. Doesn't that sound fascinating? And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at seven o'clock. Oh, um, anything in the news bin? Um... Sorry, I'm not ready on the computer. Sorry, I had the wrong thing lined up. Oh, did oh. I tell you about the whole new village being among proposals to meet future housing hey, needs in Hertfordshire? Tell us more, sounds great. Well, Rush Green to the west of Stevenage is among seven sites of a thousand homes. Can you imagine a thousand homes? Don't milk it. I'm just trying to give you a bit more time. I don't know what you're doing. I'm ready now, go on. Uh, identified by landowners and developers. It's very interesting, and I'll tell you more in about 20... Seven minutes time. Thanks very much. Across beds, hearts and barks. This the is news bin. Ian Lee on BBC <laughs> Three Counties Radio. I like the news bin. Basically, if we delve into the news bin, it means I've been messing around on the computer, checking Facebook or something, and I've not got the right bit set up. So I apologise, but, it, it, you know. Coming up in the next half an hour, lots of uh, things that I know you'll want to share your opinion on. We'll find out what improvements have been made at Milton Keynes Hospital since the death of three babies. And there is a row brewing over plans for a new football training ground in Harpenden. We'll hear more from the chairman of the club before seven o'clock. If you want to get in touch... 08459 455 555 or go to the Facebook page and you can have a little argument up there with the other listeners but it turns out I'm in trouble with a thousand memories try to be nice it's, it's only 6.36 I've, I've upset some of you take a look at the drama. I made a, a, a throwaway comment about Milkman becoming extinct in 1979 of course they didn't become extinct in 1979 it was 1989 Alice and Mum on Facebook it was said that Milkman became extinct in 1979. We have a Milkman visit next door three times a week. We're in Bushy. <laughs> really? I, I cannot believe. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm astounded that anyone would go shopping in a shop for Christmas. But also, that people still use Milkman. Are there Milkmen out and about now listening to this? D- delivering on those little milk floats, and they always have a young lad, don't they? Probably can't do that now, health and safety. When I was uh, was was younger, they would have a young lad, like fifteen years old, who'd be doing it to earn a bit of extra cash. You know, he'd go and a milkman, really, because you know, I don't know if you know this, but like corner shops and supermarkets, they sell milk now. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you can buy it in petrol stations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you can get milk. Oh yeah, it's, it's readily available. You don't have to have a man in a peaked cap. Coming along and delivering it. <laughs> delivering it? Milk. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. We are now scouring the three counties for milkmen and those who receive milk from, uh, from those aforementioned men. 
And it is men, isn't it? You're never going to melt... I know it's 2012. I know women's lib. I know you've got the votes, girls. You never see a milk lady, do you? There's never a milk woman out there. It's always men. 08459. Four double five five double five. Now this is uh, this is a sad story. It's a story that we follow closely on BBC Three Counties Radio. The deaths of three children at Milton Keynes Hospital. The hospital had until today to explain how it'll prevent further deaths deaths after a coroner ordered a review following the death of one year old Mia Elcock. The hospital says it's already made a number of changes and is now working closely with Mia's family and two others whose children have died. Parts of the changes include a new children's A&E, which our reporter Jessica Cooper has been to look around with medical director Martin Weatherill. It's been open several months now and it's specifically for uh, children, that is uh, children under 16 years of age. It has um, specific facilities, as you can see, for the children uh, and their parents um, while they're waiting for treatment. We've had a plan in place now uh, since those deaths which is developing paediatric care in our hospital, and it's, it's, it's going to take it to a really seriously good level. Um, and this is part of that plan. My son's got a temperature of 39.4. He's been really over the last three days, being sick, vomiting, diarrhoea, everything. So I've decided to bring him here. And how have you found it coming to a, a, an A&E that's dedicated just for children? A lot better, because before when we used to have to sit out there, it was a nightmare, especially if you come on a Saturday night where there's drunks and things. It's a lot better in here than out there. My son was playing at school and banged his head. So they called the ambulance in, and that's why we have to bring him here. Instead of me mixed with the adults, so it cannot give them an area to play as well whilst waiting to be assessed, so it's good. My name's Alison Turner, I'm the senior sister on Ward 5, so I'm in charge of the 22 um, inpatient beds on, um, at Milton Keynes Hospital. I think that we are recognised within the hospital that we've got more staff to look after these children, because I think that's one thing is we didn't have enough staff to be able to facilitate the best care that we could give, because that's what all my nurses want to give, is the best care that they can do, and they're able to do that more now, we've got more nurses. We're also looking in um, next year of sending more staff a way to do high dependency courses as well so that the tr- staff will have extra staff enabled to looking after children who are very poorly here. Do you feel um, assured that the, the right changes are and have been made to make sure that as much as possible deaths are prevented? Yes, yes. No, I think, I think they're certainly allowing us to employ more staff. We've also got um, our paediatric assessment unit, which is now open 24-7, which again supports our unit because we've got more paediatric nurses because children are different and we need to have the right staff to be able to look after those children. Improvement in care is continuing. It never ceases. And a lot of the things that the coroner commented upon we were already doing. Um, We have improved that, and I think the single most important thing is communication with parents. Um, Thanks to the uh, three families whose children sadly died in this hospital, uh, we have uh, had an excellent response from them communicating with us so that we can actually learn where we can make improvements that are perhaps not so obvious to us. And the most important has been communication. So we really want to involve... uh, children and their parents in the way that they are treated in this hospital so that they form part of uh, not adjacent to but part of the care pathway well later on in the show we'll hear from mia's mum to find out what she thinks of the changes and i'm keen to hear from you on this how much confidence 
do you now have in Milton Keynes Hospital? Do you think that the changes are enough? If you've been down there and had a look as well, give us a call 08459 455 555. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Christmas shoppers spent up to £2 billion at the weekend in a crucial two days for present buying. This coming weekend, record sales are also expected. Have you done your Christmas shopping and how have you done it? Have you been a sap and wandered around with the the masses in a a shopping centre somewhere? Or have you done it like me? Had your feet up, slippers on, cup of tea, some biscuits and done it online? Well, Justin Dealey's out and about. Justin, you you like Mm. to go... Sorry, you're right. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, you carry on. You (laughs) like... I've missed you. You like to go out shopping. You like the the hustle and bustle. Why? I'm outraged. Because when you go out to the hustle and bustle, it's the Christmas spirit, Ian. Come on. Oh, the Christmas spirit. People effing and jeffing and banging into you and grabbing the... I saw that first. All of that nonsense. (laughs) No, 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 no. And getting stuck in car parks. It's all part of the December fun. But like you, I've done all of my Christmas shopping. I do like to touch them. Phil. I've been getting reaction this morning to people <laughs> like to go to the shops. You can't or... say that. Have you not seen the recent scandals the BBC have been involved oh, in? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So, uh, shops face-to-face or online shopping. Here's some reaction from earlier. Well, here's Steve. Steve, you've heard us talking about this on the radio this morning. Are you somebody who likes to touch and feel? You like to be in the shops or do you do things online? In, in the shop, every time. I've bought the odd thing online but um, majority I'd rather go into a shop and buy. And tell us why that is. Well, you can see what you're getting, can't you? Yeah. It's, it's, well, not only see what you're getting, but but also it's, it's as the lady said earlier on this morning. You know, if you're not there when you get when it gets delivered, you've got to muck about. Where is it sent? Where where is it sent? You've got to go try and find the courier shops. You've got to find this. You've got to find that. You're down to the post office, and if you're doing it so near Christmas. Are you going to get it for Christmas Day? Yeah, you see, I, I totally agree, but Ian thinks that we're stuck back in 1978. Are we stuck in the past? I don't think so, no. No. Oh, well, I, you know, as I say, I've bought things online, but that's only because I haven't been able to see them in the shops. You love don't Christmas, I? don't you? Oh, yeah, love it, yeah. <laughs> Have a good day at work. And you. There you go, the views there are Steve. And uh, let's get the views of this lady as well, whether she would do a bit of online shopping or do things face-to-face in the shops. What would it be for you, madam? Um, a bit of both, actually. Sometimes you can find good uh, bargains online, but I do like to see what I'm buying, so more likely to go into the shop and buy it. There you go, Ian, the views of two oh, very you. sensible people this Steve, morning. Steve Elizabeth. doesn't sound sensible to me. Yeah. <laughs> Steve sounds like one of your mates. Listen, you've, I, I, I don't like it how, when you go out and you do these reports and you bias them into your yeah. favour. <laughs> go and find some proper people who do it online. I can't find them anywhere. And Seriously. No, I've got another challenge for you this morning. Yeah, go on. Can you find a milkman? Uh, yes, I'll have a look for a milkman, yes. Yeah, I, 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 I think they're extinct. I'm being told off and said that, that, um, that there are loads of milkmen out there. So if no. you spot one, can you grab him? They are still out there. I've seen them practically every day. So as soon as I find one, I shall let you know. Justin Daly, thank you very much. Speak to you later on. He totally biases his reports. It's not fair. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Residents in Harpenden are angry about plans to develop a new training ground for Harpenden Colts FC at the new farm site. Proposals for Roundwood Lane include 11 pitches, a new road, a car park for 100 vehicles and a pavilion changing room with the FC and Hearts Football Association uh, saying it will help the club to grow. But residents say it will lead to an increase in traffic on an already busy road. Um, Bob Trevor is the chairman of Harpenden Colts FC. Joins us now. Morning, Bob. Good morning. Uh, is it still freezing cold out there? It's uh, 
Not too bad. OK. Now, Bob, tell me why you need these new facilities. Well, Harpen and Colts, uh, over the years, has grown from, you know, uh, very small numbers into a club that's got 750 members. Uh, we're very much reliant upon... Um, partners to provide us with facilities both for training and matches and we're getting to a stage where there's increasing pressures on those organisations, uh, not just in terms of being able to provide Harpen and Colts with uh, facilities, but demands from other sporting organisations that also need open space. Um, we've got to a stage also where if the club is going to grow, both in terms of uh, numbers, but also the interest that keeps coming into the club, then, you know, a facility such as New Farm actually offers the opportunity you know for the club to be a little bit less reliant upon these other organizations and actually be in control of its own facilities being able to manage those facilities and make sure that they're used in the best interests not just of the uh, the present members of Harpen and Colts but looking to the future um, you know in terms of the demographics of the area that there will be this increased interest and presumably numbers and um, you know the space that it, it offers in terms of putting pitches there and a training area, you know, will allow the, the club to look very much to the future. So you're looking, you're, look, you're, you're growing now and something like this would help the club, the club grow in the future. Is this the right place though? Well, Harpen and Colts certainly believe so. Um, it's the most suitable site that Harpen and Colts, in conjunction with the County Council, has actually um, you know, seen um, the, the other areas either are not suitable in terms of, say, the space, the actual environment itself, um, and the County Council having identified New Farm as uh, being an area that uh, would to facilitate um, you know, the progression of youth football in Harpenden um, we've been working very closely with them to you know, move that one forward and put proposals hopefully in the new year to the district council uh, for a change in use by a planning application It sounds massive, 11 football pitches New road, car park for 100 vehicles, We're pavilion. We're not actually putting in a new road. There right. will be an access road to the facilities. OK. And the pitches themselves will be uh, uh, screened by uh, natural hedgerows and trees so that there will be the minimum dis disturbance to the local residents within the Roundwood area. One of the complaints that residents have is that it's going to... If you've got a car park for 100 vehicles, it's going to create a lot of traffic in that area. Well, Harpen and Colts, again, at this stage, certainly doesn't see that it will actually uh, involve a massive increase in traffic around that particular part a of Harpen. A car park for 100 vehicles would imply well, that you're, you're ready for it. Well... The, um, Are the local roads the, ready for the, it? The club is looking to make sure that there is a facility there that um, both the Harpen and Colts parents, if they were to drive to that particular site, have an opportunity to park and come and see their children play football and or pick up or drop off and also accommodate the needs of the uh, opposing teams as they come and play Harpen and Colts itself. Yes, 100 cars parking spaces seems an awful lot, but uh, with, you know, uh, considered management, again, that area you know can be well managed and looked after maintained and not become an eyesore on i don't the, think the residents the are worried about the eyesore they're, they're say, the complaints that the residents uh, are, are putting forward is that it's an already busy road and having that much extra traffic is going to cause a lot of disruption there 
again from a Harpen and Colts perspective but you will certainly need to sort of like talk more fully say with the county council mm. uh, that is embarking upon a traffic survey Colts believes that there will be no uh, significant increase in traffic in that area what you might see and again this is my opinion is that the incidence of uh, traffic flow may well change during the sort of like day itself so you know instead of sort of like um you know the the local roads being heavily congested uh, as they are monday to fridays at particular times you will see a progressive traffic flow throughout the course of uh, say a saturday or a sunday morning what does that mean i don't know progressive traffic flow well it it, it won't all be there at the same time because right. harpend and colts is but it will be busier I don't think it will be busier. I think that uh, what you will see is a managed traffic flow from a Harpen and Colts perspective because of the way that it looks to stagger the use of the facilities, both in terms of kick-off times and also, you know, the amount of young people that will actually be on the site at any one time. How much is it all costing? Well, Harpen and Colts, again, there, uh, estimates that to actually develop the site will cost between £1.5 and £2 million, uh, inclusive of VAT and fees. And who's paying for that? Well, again, there the Colts will be looking to uh, raise funds, most significantly um, going to funding bodies such as the Football Foundation. At this stage, I don't think it's uh, fit and proper to go into full details there, but Harpen and Colts has and is continuing to put together its business plan and its business mm. case and working very closely with organisations such as the Hertfordshire FA, the National FA, in order to make sure that um, you know the club will be able to move forwards um, in an objective and constructive manner in order to obtain the uh, the funds that will be Does required. the council pay for any of it? Um, the council at this stage will not be looking to inject any capital or revenue funds into the scheme itself. Okay, and, and if this, if you get the, this is on the proposal stage, if you get the thumbs up, when do you reckon this will all be done and dusted and, and built and ready? Well, if the district council, um, you know, are agreeable that uh, putting football pitches and a training area there is an acceptable uh, change in use of the green belt from what it is at the moment and recreational facilities is an acceptable change of, of use then the club believes that it um, will have the development up and running uh, within two to five years okay bob listen we've got to leave it there thank you very much Fine, for coming in bob trevor you. chairman of harpend and colts fc later on in the show we'll speak to councillor bernard lloyd who supports the proposal and also we'll hear from some of the residents who perhaps aren't quite so keen do you know what it's christmas i don't mind playing mcfly under other circumstances, I, I, I would. It's Christmas, it's for the kids. It's one for the kids, isn't it? This bit's silly, though. Uh, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots for you to get involved with. Who do you want to say thank you to? We're having a thank you special. Did you really buy your Christmas presents uh, in a shop? And Meltman, they don't exist, do they? Not anymore. We're a bit late, it doesn't matter, I don't care. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Before we, I came down for the show, Catherine, you did an excellent impression of a 70s pop singer, didn't you? <laughs> What's the chance of you doing your Kate Bush now? Slim. OK. Disappointing. It was a sight to behold. Catherine's Kate Bush, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. <laughs> Let's see if we can get a drunk for Friday's show, and then maybe we'll work it then. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about. I'll tell you how to get in touch in a second. These are some of the things we've got coming up in the next hour or so. 
There's been a third death at a private surgery centre in Hertfordshire. We'll hear from the producer of the BBC programme, which has uncovered the evidence. A row is brewing over plans for a football training ground in Harpenden. We'll find out why the proposals are angering residents. And have you done your Christmas shopping this year? Online or in the high streets of Beds, Hearts and Bucks? If you go shopping in the shops before Christmas... You're insane, aren't you? 08459 455 555 is the phone number. 81333, start your text 3CR. Or go to the Facebook page and post some pictures of Milkman. If you find any Milkman, take a pic and put them up there. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. BBC Three Counties Radio. Over the past few months, serious concerns have been raised about a private surgery centre in Hertfordshire. At the beginning of November, we spoke to Michael Mancy from Hitchin, whose sister died at the centre, which is on the Lister Hospital site in Stevenage. Antonietta, uh, Antoinette sorry, Mancy was 87 and had gone in for a routine knee operation. Now our colleagues at Inside Out have new evidence of a third death. The programme's producer, Julian Sturdy, is on the line now. Morning, Julian. Good morning. What's the new information that you broadcast last night? Well, this is a story that we've all been following for some time. You yourselves have, have had many twists in, in, in the saga of the, uh, the, the, the surgery centre. Um, and just when we thought that things may be on the turn, maybe starting to get better, um, we started to, to hear that there'd been a third death. Now, these, you know, people die in hospitals, but this is routine surgery. This is a day centre. It's, it's doing routine operations where people don't aren't expected to die and we'd known that there'd been two deaths since since june and then we started to hear about a a third death Um, and indeed it's been confirmed now that that is true yet another unexpected death um, following surgery at the surgery center do we know when that death happened is there a date on it this is a story where there's been a a lot lot of uh, people very cagey we do know that um, that that, um, anita manti died in june we know that was followed a short while afterwards by another death another patient who'd unexpectedly died from after a joint surgery and this is not about the surgery going wrong this is post-operative this is the post-op care that that has caused some concern or at least started this review and more recently there's been another all i know about it is that it's a um, post-operative and it's someone who died some time after their surgery Mm. now we we approached the company um, um, Carillion, uh, uh, Clinic Centre, part of the Carillion Group, um, and they denied there'd been a death. So we, we went to the NHS Hertfordshire, we went to the Clinical Commissioning Group, and indeed we've confirmed there's a, 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 an external review into all the three unexpected deaths, and we expect that to be uh, reported shortly. So what, what happens now, Julian, this, this review? How long will this take? Well, they brought someone in from outside, and we expect to hear very shortly. So um, be- before Christmas, we expect to hear the results of that. And, and it's to look to see if, I mean, whenever someone dies in hospital, they look internally to see if there's anything that could be done to prevent it happening again. In this case, because there were so three in short, relatively short period, um, they want just to see if there's any connection between those deaths and say these are, these are NHS surgeons, NHS nurses dealing in a hospital that was built and run privately um, and it's nothing to do with clinical care, it's to do with, with what happens afterwards but 
Um, it's just been one of those stories that you know the MP has been going on about this, Stephen's MP, Stephen McPartland, saying mm. that something needs to be done. Um, all we get from, from the company is complete reassurance that this, this was teething troubles. It started a... Teething troubles, wow. Teething troubles. Okay. You know, they do acknowledge that they, you know, they're working very hard to put things right, but they want to reassure patients that um, there's nothing wrong with the clinical care. But at the moment, um, as, as you know, your listeners may know, that no new referrals are made to the hospital mm. um, for either eye or joint, joint uh, cases, joint surgery. And that's because of catalogue of other things that you've, you've discussed, you know, the, the delays in, in appointments, the um, failures to, to, to staff the, 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 the six operating theatres, the, um, the loss of thousands of patient records and all this. Eight and a half thousand records, I think, were lost. That's, that's right, absolutely. And, of course, that, that's, that's people who are suffering degenerative eye conditions where many of them, many of them elderly, um, many of them been left waiting for their appointments, um, and that that was highlighted right at the beginning of the year, but it hasn't got any better. Even over the summer, um, they were not being able to, to. People were still waiting more than eighteen weeks for appointments, mm. which is uh, the the legal limit, um, and the backlog is just just still building up, which is why the, the PCT took action and and banned new referrals which is very unfortunate for people who need treatment it means you know with conditions where they may be going blind or they may have trouble with their walking they're now having to go to to, to hospitals further away hartford or london julian sturdy uh, thank you very much indeed uh, and he mentioned stephen mcpartland the uh, mp for stevenage there and we're going to be talking to him about this a little bit later on in the program the bbc in beds hearts and bucks this is bbc three counties radio so there is no point there's no point in going to Milton Keynes Shopping Centre or, or Luton Town or anywhere in Beds, Hearts and Bucks. You don't need to go to Marks and Spencers. You don't need to go to CNA. CNA? Where did that come from? <laughs> CNA. You don't need to go to Boots. You can order all of this stuff online and avoid the queues, the hassles, the, the paying for parking. You can sit at home, nice cup of tea, bit, bit of telly on in the background, or a bit of music... Some hobnobs, laptop on your lap, beautiful, perfect. If you go shopping in the shops over Christmas, you're a fool. You're a fool. Shirley and Wolverton, are you a fool or are you sensible? No, I'm not a fool, and I resent that remark. What? Do, you don't go shopping in the shops over Christmas, do I you? Do. Oh, Shirley. I've done. I don't have a computer. And I wouldn't shop online, even if I did. Well, well get, get, buy one for Christmas. No, I don't want one, get, thank get a, you. Get a computer. No, Shirley? I'm not interested, Shirley? and I can't afford the internet. I'm a pensioner. I am telling you, I'm ordering you to buy a computer. No, you, nobody orders me to do anything. Oh, buy... Okay, so why do you go? You, 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 you prefer to go shopping I do, in the sir. shops. Why? I do, because I like to see what I'm buying oh. first. But you get all the, you get the rude people. You get the surly well, shop you assistants. Get that every, you get that everywhere. Not you, in my living it's room. It's part of life. It's part of life. You just have to get on with it. And I don't drive. I go on the bus. Oh, it's uh, it's even. It gets worse and worse. You're you're no. on a bus, laden down with all those shopping bags, taking no, up all I, the aisle. Do you know what? I went up to the shopping centre la- one day last week. Yeah. I got the bus outside my house at. Five to ten. Yeah. I knew exactly what I wanted, mm. where I wanted to go. I was back in my house at ten to twelve. <laughs> well, that's that's a good mission. It certainly was, have, and I'm going up there again today. Have oh, so you've still got more? I know what I'm going for. Yeah, I bet you do. You've got more to buy then. And when when Only you finish when you finish shopping today, is that it? Is that Christmas shopping done? Yes, it is. Okay. 
yes, and what I'm, well, I'm, I'm going for a present for an animal. <laughs> Excuse <laughs> me? My, for my friend's animal, but I, I what? know... What are you? What you, you? You are bonkers. What are you buying? What animal is it? And what are you buying for an animal? For a dog. What are you getting? Is a bone? No, 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 no. A ball? A bit better than that. A jumper? It, no. We're buying it between us, actually. Well, what is it? The dog won't be listening. You can tell us. I know. It's a. It's a bed. Oh, you soppy old <laughs> sausage. Well, Shirley, hang on, have a listen to Ophelia. Ophelia? Hiya, Ian. Uh, 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 Shirley buys all of her Christmas stuff in the shops. That's crazy, isn't it? Well, it sounds like Shirley, all respect, she's got a lot of time to spare, but I prefer, I do 80% of my shopping online. Uh, tell, tell Shirley why it's, it's so much better. Because the, the blessing of it all, Shirley, is that you can multitask. While you're going back and forth to the computer, you could be cooking, you don't have to dress up, and you're checking, you can com- compare prices at four or five different shops in one go, and the internet always gives you a better deal because they're encouraging you, most often 10% less. If I don't check it on, it, for general shopping, if I don't check it online, I'm not buying it. I feel, uh, Shirley, you see, it makes perfect sense. Not to me, it doesn't. I can't afford to, to have um, a computer or to be online. I'm a pensioner and I've got a mortgage as well till I'm 83 years oh. old. There are, pen- there are pensioners who have the internet. You can come around and use my... Just just tap into next-door no. neighbour's uh, internet. No, 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 thank you. I, I'm not interested in computers at all. I'm going to buy you a computer for Christmas. No, I'm gonna, not. I'm going to buy you an you're iPad. Not. I'm buying you an iPad. No, yeah, no and, you're not. Yeah, I am, and I'm going to no, make you... No, uh, I'm yes, not technical. No. I don't like you're, anything. You're, you're getting an iPad or a Nexus, and I'm going to make no. you use it. No. Yes, yes, No, I'm yes. not getting an iPad. Yes. <laughs> I'll wear a necklace, but I'm certainly not buying an iPad. Now, listen, ladies. I'm getting a computer. Ladies, ladies, let's, let's, let's not end this on a sour note. We're, we're doing a thank you morning. We're, having, we're kind of having a nice morning, because there's loads of horrible stuff going on in the world. Uh, Shirley, is there anybody that you would like to thank now, live on air, and it can't be your best friend's dog? No, well, I'd just like to thank all my friends that I have at church. I have some fantastic friends who have been absolutely wonderful to me when I've not been very well. Would they let you use their internet? I wouldn't even ask oh, them Shirley. because I don't like you Luddite. it. You Luddite, you Luddite. I don't like it. Oh. I don't like the internet. Uh, Ophelia, anyone you want to thank? Yeah, again, same as Shirley, all friends at church and my gorgeous husband who's been putting up with me while I've been studying. You do sound like a pain. Yeah. yeah, you do sound like you're a nuisance to live with, Ophelia. <laughs> he's, he's definitely drawn the short straw there, hasn't he? <laughs> Ladies, thank you very much. Shirley uh, in Wolverton, Ophelia in Luton, thank you. We can be a bit schmaltzy. It's Christmas. If you can't do it now, when can you? I fancy mince pie. Friday, we'll bring in some nibbles. Shall we have some mince pies and bits and pieces floating around Tinner Quality Street? It's not Christmas until you have a Tinner Quality Street cracked open. That's, that's what we're doing Friday. Now, Christmas shoppers spent up to £2 billion at the weekend in a crucial two days for present buying. And record sales also expected this weekend. But you're not leaving the house to do it, are you? I did all mine from the sofa. All of it on the sofa. Feet up. Cup of tea, hobnobs out, beautiful. Well, Lisa Byfield-Green is a retail analyst at Planet Retail. Morning, Lisa. Good morning, Ian. What is Planet Retail? Planet Retail, we're a a firm of analysts, and we look at um, global um, shopping leaders worldwide. Where are the most popular online shopping sites? Well, um, in the UK, the most um, popular online shopping site, and worldwide, in fact, is Amazon. Um, they don't pay tax, that's why it's so cheap. And I, I, Listen, I've got ethics and things, but when it comes to getting cheap Christmas presents, those eth- ethics go out the window. I'm happy to go there, of course. 
Well, I think like lots of people in, what you're driven by is the convenience factor, the convenience of just being able to, as you say, sit on the sofa and not have to go anywhere. I think people are increasingly doing their research online now mm. before they go out shopping. Um, that often ends up in them making a purchase. If they're not doing it then, then they're using the internet to research the products that they're thinking of buying, or they're even using their smartphones when they're out and about to compare prices and to make sure they're getting the best deals. I mean, we don't have as much money to spend as we used to, and I think we're much more careful in how we spend it. We, I don't know if you heard, a few minutes ago we were speaking to Shirley, who was very, very grumpy and, and, and looking down at shopping online. Can you... It, it's simple, isn't it? Can you sell it to her, Lisa? Can you just make it sound more attractive than perhaps I was doing? Well, I don't think it's, it's about selling it. I think it's about fitting in with people's busy lifestyles. And I don't think that people that shop online necessarily prefer it to going out to the stores. I mean, in your case, perhaps, perhaps they do, but a lot of people don't have the time that they used to. People are working hard. People have um, less time and less money. And when we're pressured in that way, then we will look for the most convenient option. And we certainly have a lot of convenience online. Um, and it's been driven by things like um, broadband internet at home. People have smartphones now and tablet computers. And like you say, um, in, this, in the evening, we often sit down on the sofa and we're sitting there surfing the internet at a time when stores are closed and we wouldn't have any other options for shopping. And of course, everyone thinks of Amazon, but, th- but there are so many excellent uh, on- online john lewis debenhams next you, you pretty much every store to survive in in 2012 and onwards mm. has to have an online presence don't they absolutely and what we're seeing is that um those stores that do offer online sales the online portion of their business is growing a lot faster than the store portion it's still not um, overtaken that section but it's a very very important sector and the retailers that are doing that well are certainly profiting from that lisa have you done any of your christmas shopping out in the shops in the physical real world well, I'm a very busy retail analyst, so uh, um, obviously I've used um, the internet to do a lot of my shopping. But yes, I have gone out to stores as wow. well. There are certain things that you need to go out and touch and feel the products, and it's actually a, a social experience going shopping as well. Oh yeah, but it's a ho- oh no, Lisa, don't! It's a horrible social experience. I don't want to. I don't want to be in a crowded shop. I don't want to pay to go and park my car. It's a, it's a nightmare. Well, you're very lucky to have the option, aren't you? Ian? I I am very lucky, Lisa. Yes, I am indeed. Have you finished all your Christmas shopping? Have you got a bit more to go? Um, I'm just about there now. Okay, good. Uh, and finally, Lisa, I'm going to throw you on the spot a little bit. This morning, we, this morning we're being a little bit schmaltzy because it's Christmas, and I think you can be. And we're asking people to thank people. And I've been thanking members of my team. And uh, is there anybody, Lisa, that you would like to thank now, just for, for whatever reason? My family. They're great, and they make Christmas so exciting. I have three children, oh. and um, there's nothing better than having children. How old? How old are the kids? Well, they are 12, 10, and 7. Oh, fantastic. Can I, can I ask, I've got boys, they're 3 and 1, and, the, the, you know, the 3-year-old is well excited about Father Christmas. Is, uh, I've got to be tactful about this, because we do have young ears listening. Is the 7-year-old still excited about Father Christmas? Absolutely. Good. And I wonder how much of his shopping Father Christmas has on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He makes it all, Lisa. The elves make it all. We know that. Of course. Lisa, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much. Uh, Lisa Byfield-Green, a retail analyst at Planet Retail. So that, it, it does surprise me that anyone would go out shopping in an actual shop. But yeah, they do. They're heaving. They're heaving. You've been to central London recently? You've been to central Milton Keynes? You've been to Luton? Oh, man, it's so busy. Why would you do it? David and Marsh Farmers texted him. Why wait until December to get Christmas shopping done? We shop throughout the year, even when on holiday. Uh I kind of like the slightly mad rush of only three more Amazon days left. 
That's how I like to do it. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We're firing a, a scattergun approach to the show this morning. Lots of different things, as well as Christmas shopping, as well as saying thank you. I made a throwaway comment about an hour ago that Milkman became extinct in 1979. Well, we've had people messaging and uh, texting and Facebooking saying, well, no, 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 we have a milkman. And I find this amazing because, again, you know, pop to the garage. No, actually, don't buy milk from the garage. It's well expensive. Pop to the corner shop, pop to the supermarket. Anne in Luton has texted in 81333, starting her text 3CR. Ian, yes, there are milkmen still out there, although they're a dying breed. I'm very good friends with a milkman from Kent. Sounds like the beginning of uh, a limerick. There was a young milkman from Kent, no, uh, whose delivery was especially... No, he delivers a lot more, mil- lot more than milk, including Christmas hampers, which can be ordered online. I know there are also milkmen in the three counties because one delivers milk to the... Sorry. One delivers milk to the pathology department. It's a strange turn of events there, wasn't it? 08459 455 555. Well, people are getting angry about this. Including uh, Anthony yeah, Taylor. Sorry, I've got to do an interview in a minute. <laughs> You're doing it now, Anthony. Oh, sorry. That's that's all right. Who who, who are you t- talking to there? Well, someone just come through the through the door. Sorry, I didn't. No, don't don't don't, Anthony, don't apologise. Listen, you're a busy man, and we appreciate you coming on. Tell tell them you'll be three minutes, and then you, you can go and deal with them. Right. Okay. I'll be three minutes. Good lad. Anthony Taylor runs Taylor's Dairies in Bletchley. Morning, Anthony. Morning. Do you do you employ milkmen? Yes, I do. I thought they were. I thought they were extinct, Anthony. Certainly not. How many milkmen have you got? We've got eight milkmen. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, are they? All, is it just milk they're delivering, or is there more? No, there's more than that. Well, fruit juices, squashes, eggs, potatoes, bread, and obviously cream now for Christmas. Is there is there much demand for milkmen? Because you've got your supermarkets, you've got your corner shops, you've got your garages. You can, milk is so readily available these days. Well, it is, but we've got over 5,000 customers, so I think you've got to understand that there is a demand for the doorstep delivery. Wowzers, wowzers. And what, what time do they start? Because I've noticed that postmen, Anthony, postmen, they deliver like 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon these days. That's ridiculous. Well, I think the postmen have got later and we've got earlier. What time? What time do you get up and and deliver the milk? Actually, yeah, well, they're, they're getting up at uh, sort of one, two o'clock in the morning. Wow! So if I was on your round, if I was in Bletchley, Anthony, number sixty-two, the High Street in Bletchley, what time could I expect my gold top to be delivered? Let's uh, uh, before eight o'clock. Well, that's not bad, is it? That'll do. That'll do. You used to be a milkman, is that right? Out, yes, out, I out, did. Out in the rounds. What were the perks of the job? Well, the fact that, that uh, you can you're working on your own at your own pace. Working in the fresh air, it's healthy, uh, keeps you fit, all those sort of things, and uh, getting to meet people. We, now, the, 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 the milkmen, of course, were famous. There, there were all kinds of stories about milkmen and, and lonely housewives. <clears throat> yes. Was any of that true? No, not at oh, all. Really? <laughs> there were, no. you, you'd never knock up, you'd never be, be bending down, delivering a couple of pints, and suddenly Mrs. Jones at number 63 would open the door in the negligee and invite you in to help put the milk on her cornflakes? No, not at all. Oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> that's disappointing. How well, did you... maybe. <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> uh, don't worry, I won't, I won't, I won't tell the missus. Uh, how did you get into the dairy trade, Anthony? Uh, working, really, working for my father. My father owned the business, and uh, I naturally... You know, when I was at school, helped him. 
So it's kind of a family business, and then That's you just, right. you just, because, and do you get, because you, you talk about helping him when you were a young lad. I remember b- being a boy, and you would see, you would have like 15 year old lads who would, who would do a melt round, help out on, before they went to school, you know, in the same way that some kids used to do uh, paper rounds. Do you still, does that still happen anymore? Unfortunately, no, you know, because of obviously health and safety oh. and all that sort of, non- well, it's nonsense. I think it does you good as a young lad to start, not get pocket money and earn your own money. I agree. Um, but unfortunately, you know, uh, with health and safety, then they have to be more careful. That's a shame. I, I listen. I agree totally. I don't think there's anything wrong with a, with a young lad get, or a young lady getting up before school, doing a paper round, doing a, doing a melt round, and, and getting out and delivering. Uh, Anthony, listen. I, I appreciate you coming on. We're asking this morning. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. We're asking uh, all of our guests: Is there anybody they want to thank for whatever reason? Because it's coming up to Christmas. There's a loads of horrible news in the world. We want to do something a bit nice. Anthony, is there anyone in your life that you'd like to thank? Um, well, I, I would like to thank my father for, uh, you, you know, giving give me a good start in my, in my work and life with, with running a business. There we go. That's a beautiful one. Yeah. Anthony, thank you very much for your time. Get back to that customer and we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you very much. Anthony Taylor runs Taylor's Dairies in Bletchley. A proper, there are Meltman. Meltman. I apologise. I sincerely apologise, and I'd like to thank you for all of the good work you do delivering milk. It was funny, wasn't it? Talking about Mrs Jones at number 63 in the negligee. Oh, no, it doesn't happen. doesn't happen. Well, maybe. It, yeah, come on. Lonely housewives who need milk on their cereal. Bit of gold top, delicious. Creamy. It's creamy, isn't it? Lovely. 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number. Uh, Christmas shopping. You, why would you go out to the shops and do it. It's awful, isn't it? It's busy. The staff are underpaid, overworked, grumpy. No one cares. The size you want is gone. They've sold out. Diane from Milton Keynes says, Morning, Ian. I do 85% of my Christmas shopping in the shops, 15% online. The problem is being home when the goods are delivered. I also do the same with my weekly food shop. Um, and Grumpy Joe says, I do all my shopping online. I detest walking around other people, chatting rubbish and getting in my way. It's cold, people are rude, and there's nowhere to park. Wine, laptop, slippers. Joe, apart from the wine, I'll have a cup of tea, please. But yes, perfect. Why would you, why would you want to do it any other way? Sit at home, feet up. You can take your time as well. If you need a wee, right, you haven't got to hunt around for a dirty toilet... Use your own dirty toilet. The Team GB handball captain at the Olympics says extra funding in the sport will be a great boost. Sport England investment in handball has doubled from 0.6 million to 1.2 million. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 8 o'clock. They've doubled the investment in handball. They have. Right. Apparently very entertaining. Yeah, but there are like hospitals closing, libraries closing, like, you know, schools suffering. And they've doubled the investment in handball. Well, Sport England invest in sport, Ian. Yeah, I know, but... You got me there. On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. She got me on a technicality. Ah, but where does Sport England get their money from? Ah, too late. Coming up in the next half an hour, um, lots that you'd like to have your opinion on, 08459 four double five five double five. We'll find out what improvements have been made at Milton Keynes Hospital since the uh, tragic death of three babies there. And there's a row brewing over plans for a new football training ground in Harpenden. Why? Well, we'll hear from residents and the council before eight o'clock. Uh, an early heads up 
on uh, Jonathan Vernon Smith's show. Wow, they're, they're, they must be high-fiving and uh, taking a break. They've got their, their big question already at half past seven. Several police forces, uh, this is for Jonathan's show, several police forces say growing numbers of people are turning to shoplifting out of desperation because of the economic downturn in Britain. It's estimated shops will lose more than half a billion pounds worth of goods due to shoplifting in the six weeks to Christmas. Well, JVS is asking today, would you ever turn a blind eye to shoplifting? If you want to get in touch, why don't you send him an email, jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Milton Keynes Hospital and the families of three children who died there have agreed to work together to make sure improvements are made. The hospital had until today to explain how it will prevent further deaths after a coroner ordered a review following the death of one-year-old Mia Elcock. Well, earlier on, we heard from the medical director, Martin Wetherill. Improvement in care is continuing. It never ceases. And a lot of the things that the coroner commented upon we were already doing. Um, We have improved that. And I think the single most important thing is communication with parents. Thanks to the uh, three families whose children sadly died in this hospital, uh, we have uh, had an excellent response from them communicating with us so that we can actually learn where we can make improvements that are perhaps not so obvious to us. And the most important has been communication. So we really want to involve children and their parents in the way that they are treated in this hospital. Well, that was a pre-recorded interview with Martin Weatherill, and I'll be speaking to him live uh, a little bit later on in the show. Joined now by Mia's mum, Kirsten McIntosh. Morning, Kirsten. Hi, good morning. How do you feel about the hospital's response to the coroner? Uh, We feel actually um, quite encouraged by the response. We've actually met with the hospital four times since uh, since Mia's inquest and they've actually showed us their report that they actually did and asked us to feed back on it and provide information to it. So we're relatively comfortable with what they've put in because we really do believe that we're being listened to. So you've actually had kind of input. They've they've listened to what you've had to say about the the report. Yeah, they had to respond formally on three points of uh, issue that the coroner brought up, but we said there's a lot of other things we'd also like to bring up with you that we weren't happy about and um, they've actually also addressed all those issues in their report. And is your relationship with the hospital going to continue? Oh, yes, definitely. We see it going forward in the future, and also with the other two families. That they, the hospital is very keen for all of us to be involved with them to improve not only paediatric care, but also um, bereavement support and how they communicate better with families, because they have realised that they can do a lot more in this area. As a, 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 a parent, Kirsten, who's, who's lost a child, and I, I've got I'm a dad of two boys, uh, what does it feel like still being involved with that hospital? Because b- b- part of me thinks I, I just wouldn't want anything to do with them anymore. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, no, a lot of people have actually said that to us, but I think this is something that we can do for our children. Mm. We can't bring them back, but this is something positive we can do for them in their names. Uh, and, uh, you know, it is great work that you're doing, and I'm sure a lot of people are appreciating it. You and your husband said after Mia's inquest that you hoped it would prevent further deaths. Do you think the hospital is, is, has gone far enough to make sure that happens? Of course, we always hope that it will, and I think the hospital has put in a lot of improvements in place, and I think time will tell. They've put in a lot more support, a lot more sort of checking and compliance-type issues, as well as investment in physical and communication-type programs. So, but I guess... No, they don't want it to happen again. We don't want it to happen again. 
So we're all just going to have to work together to see what um, what happens next. One of the issues that was raised in this was was perhaps um, that sometimes medical staff don't listen to the wishes of the parents perhaps as much as they should. Uh, th- this has been raised about the hospital. How important do you think it is that parents are listened to when it, it comes to the care of their kids? I think it's absolutely critical. As somebody pointed out, and an expert pointed out to us, he said, we're actually experts in our children. They're, doctors and nurses are experts in medical care, but we're actually experts in our children, and that should never be forgotten. And so... Um, we, we are encouraged that the, the hospital is actually putting in place um, a facility where you can put parental concerns into what they mm. call the, the, the early warning system now. So we think that's a good step forward. We're hoping that they are also going to do uh, bedside handovers now so that parents can hear what staff are saying to one another um, in between shifts. So we, we know what's being said and what's um, being communicated. You're right. I think I think it is so important. There's, doctors are, are great at diagnosing and, and, and treating, but only really a parent knows when there's something not quite right with their kids. You know, they they know when there's a subtle difference, don't they? We, we certainly do. Yeah. I Kirsten, mean, we're with them 24 hours. Of course, Kirsten. Listen, thank you so much for coming on, and and uh, you know, good luck with the work that you're doing there. Thank you very much. That's Kirsten McIntosh, and I said later on in the show we'll be speaking to uh, medical director of Milton Keynes Hospital, Martin Weatherill. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm in trouble. I am in big trouble. An hour, d- d- an hour and a half ago, I said, Meltman, extinct. They don't exist anymore. Well, since then, we've been inundated with... Um, inundated with Milkman calls. Oh, yeah, we got Milkman. Oh, yeah, I own a, a dairy. We've got, we've got employ eight Milkman. We've got one on the phone now. Steve! Morning, Stephen! Good morning, how are you? I'm, 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 I'm sorry if I've... You're a Meltman, are you? I am indeed. I'm, I'm, I thought you guys had all been killed out. No, we, we're hanging on. We're hanging on in there. It, it must be a dying trade, though, surely. No, no, not anymore. I think it's, it's at a peak now with the new online business and people... My customers just love me to death, so... Well, they, hang on a second. They would, they would never leave me. Two issues here. Online, are you saying people can order their milk online and it will get oh, delivered? Yes, oh, yes, indeed. If I went online to, I yeah. don't know, milkfloat.co.uk or whatever, or yeah. .org, uh, and ordered um, two pints of gold top and yeah. uh, uh, some orange juice, what, yeah. what time would it be delivered? It depends where you live. Let's, let's say I'm in Bletchley. I don't know, I don't know. Wow. Where, where, where do you do? <laughs> if, uh, if, you do if you're one of my customers, you could get your milk about two o'clock in the morning. Oh, that would work for me. Because, <laughs> all right, th- we had another company saying, oh, yeah, it gets delivered at eight o'clock. I'm out. I've, I've left for work no, by no. then. Two o'clock would be perfect. Yeah. Stephen, and you said your customers love you to death. They do indeed. <clears throat> I, 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 should, I, I should tell you why. Go on. My, my, my lovely wife has the um, dreaded, horrible illness that you know about, the one called MS. Oh, it's a, I do, yes. It's, it's touched yeah, my family. It's horrible, yeah. So, um, she persuaded me to do a firewalk at the end oh, of um, November. Yeah, that's, that's clever. Nice one. Thanks, missus. Cheers. Yeah, I'll go and walk in <laughs> some coals for you. No worries. Yeah, well, yeah. So I put out a little note to my customers. Yeah. And so far, we have raised a lovely £2,300. There you go. Fantastic. You're fantastic. Indeed. You, and you, you actually walked on the coal, did you? Well, yeah, it's not actually coal, it's, um... Oh, hang on! It's, it's, it's wood. Oh, I, suddenly... But half, half of your customers what demand their money back. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. How's, how's your missus getting on? 
Oh, you know, she has, you know, it's like one day she's all right, yep. and, but she's a stubborn cow, so she won't give in. The, the, but people with MS often are, and, and they need to be, because, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a rotten thing, but you, you have a cracking Christmas. Stephen, is there anyone, I'm, I'm guessing I know where this is going to go, we're asking people to thank people. Anyone you want to thank today? Yes, just all of my customers for being so wonderful and keeping me going in business and looking after me and, and looking after the wife. Are as you well. delivering milk now? I can hear you cl- clanking bottles around. Yeah, there you go, how about that? Beautiful. There we go. Stephen is actually delivering milk bottles live on the radio. How exciting is that? Huh? Who would have thunk it? All right, I apologise. There are milkmen out there. I apologise. I shouldn't have been rude about you. I shouldn't have dissed you. I'm literally saluting the milkmen out there. Shopping online over Christmas. It's the only way to do it. And I'll say this now. If you go to the shops, physical shops for Christmas shopping, you're a Muppet. No, seriously, you are. You don't need to do it. Christmas has been delivered at my house. It all came in lovely big boxes. My postman hates me. That's his problem. Dave in Luton. Dave, you're sensible. You agree with me, don't you? No, I do not, mate. I beg your pudding. What? No, I do not. You you don't do your Christmas shopping online? Listen. You're a Muppet. Hold on. You're a Muppet. You're a Muppet. Hold on. Your wife and two children, I think it's two children, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Right. That I know of, They yes. must have a very, very boring life. Beg your pardon? They must have a boring what? life. What do you well, mean? Hold on. You're up on the internet. Yeah. So what's your two children doing? Sitting there watching television, watching eating. Cr- watching violent films and, uh, oh, no, they're not, dear, of course. So, so when do they see Father Christmas? Well, no, David, listen, they've been... They've no, no, been, no, 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 they, no, hold on. Uh, oh, you hold on, no, hey, oh, hey, ah. <laughs> David, they have been, they have seen Father Christmas. They went to the Willows Farm at the weekend. They saw Father Christmas. Oh, how boring. What do you mean, how boring? What, what, you just asked, when do they see Father Christmas? I've told you, you, you be, said that's boring. Yeah, but you've got to get in with the crowd to see the kids, see all the kids up on the Father Christmas, like in the Arndell Luton. I'm not going to... Hundreds I'm, there. I'm not going to take... Being pushed around, loving it. I don't my children to be pushed around by strangers in Indiandale? Why not? Because yes, that's, that's, they don't need it. They're three years old and one. They've got to go round the shops and see the things. Oh, Dad, yeah, we'll have this. They can touch it. But up on the, they've got to sit and watch their dad right, up on a little right. screen, Listen. up on a stupid little screen, right. and, oh, we'll get this for you. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, hold on. David. When you go on holiday, when yeah. you go on holiday, if you go on holiday, what do you do? Put, your, put the internet on. Oh, look, look at this lovely little island here. And you look, see all the pictures. David, David. But you don't go on holiday. David. You just sit and watch the internet. Calm down. Oh, what a calm terrible down. thing. David, David, calm yeah, down. Go on. Go calm, on. Go, I'm, I'm going. Da- David, say, <laughs> say hello to Dennis. Good morning. Oh, good morning, Dennis. Why? You don't, don't like to shop on the internet? My goodness, I don't know. It's, no, that uh, internet, that internet and computers are the biggest dangers of this world. Oh. No, I haven't got one. I never intended to have one. And all these people that sit there watching them, just watch the radiation coming off into your eyes. Well, it's better than I, when I was a young fella, gone the, not, I didn't have the internet. I used to shop with two cocoa tins, a long piece of string. But now I've got a computer. I can shop all over the world. But hold on, Dennis. I, when you were young, did yeah. you enjoy your life without a computer? Yes, because I didn't know yeah. there was one. Right. Are you enjoying your life today? I'm enjoying my life. Yes, why not? I've not got many left, so I'm enjoying it to the full. If I can make you laugh, I'm happy. But you're not enjoying it on a computer. You're enjoying it when you're mixing with people to talk, have a laugh, and everything else. 
Well, just sitting there looking at a computer screen, well, what a most boring life on, my, on this earth. But then, you see, by, with a computer, I can look all over the world now. We well, can drop down into any town practically in the world and have a look round. I know well, not well, to go to there because there's rock. Yeah, but just to look up on a computer to see the rest of the world? Yes, because no. I, can, I can't afford to go to Japan. No, not no, I. With the internet, right? No. And I meet people out there. You can talk to people all over boys, the world. Boys, 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 listen, listen, come yeah. on. It's, it's Christmas, David. It's happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. David, and you. Dennis, yes. can we have a group hug, boys? Yes, I, I, I put it on the... Com- well, I look at the computer and put my arms around it. Yeah, da- Dave, do- Dave, come and give us a hug, come on. <laughs> Dave, Dave's, oh, Dave's, Dave's gone. Dennis, Dave didn't want a group hug with us. How no, naughty. Well, I have a group hug with my three sons. They, cr- they nearly kill me. There we go, you see. They want the inheritance. That's what that is. Dennis, thank you very much. David, thank you as well. Excellent. <laughs> two, two blokes having an argument. I love it. I genuinely love it. Beds, hearts and bugs, weather. That's your forecast. Kate. Yes. We're saying thank you to everyone this morning because it's nice and it's a bit schmaltzy and we're allowed to be schmaltzy <laughs> at Christmas. So, can I say thank you for an excellent job doing the weather? Well, thank you for thanking me. There we go. Sincere. Now, residents in Harpenden are angry about plans to develop a new training ground for Harpenden Colts FC at the new farm site. Proposals for Roundwood Lane include 11 pitches, uh, a new road, a car park for 100 vehicles and a pavilion changing rooms, which the FC and Hearts Football Association say will help the club to grow. But residents, they're not happy. They say it will lead to an increase in traffic on what they consider to be an already busy road. Well, Justin Dealey, our uh, football correspondent, has been with some of the residents this morning. Justin, What's it like out there? Well, Ian, I have to say, um, the locals earlier on this morning, they were not happy one bit. They were surrounding the radio car. This is what happened. Well, we stood here looking at open countryside in Harpenden. Nick Morant, you're a local. You're totally against this proposal. Tell us why. It's the scale of the development. This is 32 acres of prime countryside. With the 11 pitches, it's going to be a bigger development than uh, Arsenal have got at their training ground at London Colney. It's coming through on a single-track country road uh, into a residential area. There'll be an enormous amount of traffic generated over the weekends and during the week. Okay, so too much traffic for you. Will, again, your local, some people, I'm sure, will be screaming at the radio again. NIMBY, not in my backyard. If not here, where is a good location for the Harpen and Colts? Well, we're part of the Harpen and NFPG, which is uh, designed to protect the development on on this part of the land so any development for us on here would need to be appropriate Uh, and this clearly isn't as nick was saying um it's far too big 11 11 pitches is far too big a development a hundred space car park uh totally inappropriate for the site uh, and a pavilion as well on what is at the moment open fields providing amenity for the local population uh you know dog walkers cyclists um all, all the rest of the people that use this land on a daily basis so um uh, we're just not in favour of these proposals at all. It's going to bring Sarah into the conversation as well. Sarah, some may say, well, look on the bright side, it's football pitches and, and not housing. Um, it, um, it is development uh, that is inappropriate um, and uh, we are very concerned about the safety here. Um, the junction um, just around the corner from where we're standing here will soon um, have children walking down it. The dog walkers will start coming We've um, since... Uh, standing here this morning we've had a cyclist come down um it isn't safe for the volume of traffic that will be coming up this road um is it just about house prices though really it isn't about house prices um you know we are generally 
very you know concerned um you know we have families um who enjoy this space um i use this space every day um to dog walk bring my one and a half year old um my nine year old um cycles here um and then she she is you know she won't be able to cycle mm. if there are going to be um based on some of the counts that we've actually sort of taken um more than 300 extra journeys on a saturday and a sunday okay just lastly the airwaves are yours here councillor bernard lloyd is listening to this he'll be responding to what you're about to say what is your message to him and be as blunt as you want to be um the residents we're all very disappointed with um bernard lloyd's stance on this um, we don't feel that he's been open to our views um and um he does say that this is um the only home for cults um they haven't actually shown that that's the case um and um uh, we are very disappointed so that was me on Roundwood Lane in Harpenden earlier this morning. With some of those local residents, as you heard there, Ian, their main concern is the traffic on, on what they describe as a very narrow road. Justin, thank you for that. You're, we have uh, got Councillor Bernard Lloyd on the line now. Good morning, uh, Bernard. Good morning. Let's, let's address the point that, that, uh, that Sarah made there. You, you're, you're not listening and it's inappropriate. No. First of all, uh, I'm a county councillor and I have to take into account the interests of the wider community. Now, I can understand local residents in Faulkner's Field. They have open agricultural fields behind them. They've had that. Uh, they're not going to have quite the same in future. And I, in those circumstances, I would object. But I have to say, my objection would be on the loss of the view that I already had. Looking at some of the other issues, um, first of all, they say that it's not appropriate. In policy planning terms, it is appropriate to have football pitches uh, on green belt. Ele- building 11, though, and 100, uh, uh, a car park those, that's got room for 100. You talked to the chairman of Colts. Yes. Of those, six are mini pitches. Right. And they will be used, as I understand it, mainly for training. If you've got six-year-olds, they can't just go in and play... There's still Football a bit... matches, they've got to have some training. Well, those mini-pitches are still, you know, it still adds up to quite a big size. And a car park for 100 cars? Yeah. That, that's... I don't think that's unreasonable. It's if a busy road didn't... around there already, isn't it? So that's going to make that road even busier. No, 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 hold on. At the moment, uh, up Roundwood Lane, from yeah. the A1081, every day of the week, yeah. there are parents taking children to Wood End to the Roundwood schools, and I do not believe that that piece of road will be required to take any more traffic at the weekend than there is uh, during the week. But so, well, no, but so it will be busier at the weekend than it is now? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred cars? Um, there there will be, there will be a hundred cars, yes. Uh, uh, That's... Uh, in, uh, you can understand. Of, you can sorry, understand in, why people. You can understand why people would be upset and concerned that a hundred cars that could be two hundred, three hundred journeys extra are being made on a Saturday and on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And how but, would you respond to those concerns? Because we go back to the uh, original question, and that was, um, where do we find a suitable and available place? for the Colts to have this facility. Are they just a bunch of NIMBYs? Um, well, uh, let's uh, put it this way. Well, They're exaggerating the right. problems as part of their objection. So they're, so the, you, the, the, they're lying? Uh, no, I, I'm not but, saying... Uh, ex- uh, exaggeration is, is lying, no, isn't it? No, yeah. uh, no. Well. 
They're, They're exaggerating. The, the road is not ideal. We okay. know that. And we've looked at that over the years. I've been a county councillor for 15 years. In what way is it not ideal? Because there are parts of it where we cannot uh, widen it, and we'd like to widen So it is going to be busy, and it is going to be potentially dangerous? Uh, it, well, it's no more potentially dangerous than it is during the week when children but, go up there. But you're adding, another, you're adding another two days of potential danger. Yeah, uh, fair enough, but there, there are uh, other roads uh, in Harpenden which are just as busy. But there are I lots. Go, there sorry, are lots of, very quickly. Back to no, the... no, no, we're running out of time, uh, Bernard. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on. We've got lots of angry residents there, and th- yeah. they're very angry. What are you going to do about them? Just ignore them? No. The process is that there is a project that's been developed with consultants. There have been uh, two uh, meetings where uh, president, where residents have talked to the consultants and officers of the council. That will be uh, considered along with the various specialist reports on transportation and other things. And in the ba- on the basis of that, a decision will be made uh, okay. about putting in a so plan. Bernard, just, just to conclude, you, you think that the, the residents are exaggerating. Uh, and do you think they're NIMBYs? I'm not going to say they're NIMBYs. Because as I say, if I was in their position, I'd probably be objecting as well. Because it was in your backyard. But I believe that it's the best possible and probably the only possible site for the coats you would to be have a, a home in Harpenden. Would you be objecting? There's sixty children there helping. Would you be objecting because it was in your backyard? Yeah. So they're NIMBYs? I didn't say that. Uh, and is, is the council giving any money towards this? Uh, the council is obviously um, uh, providing the uh, the area, the fields. Um, I am not aware that in the contract there is any proposal to provide money for uh, the coats because when, if if they get planning permission, I think there will be enough um, national bodies like Sports England and local bodies willing to help finance the project. Bernard Lloyd, I appreciate your time. That's uh, Councillor Bernard Lloyd there. People are very upset, as they often are. Are they just being NIMBYs, or are they right? It's decided. We're all going for a fry-up after the show. Come on, come on, it's Christmas. Come on, don't pull that face. We're all going for a fry-up. You're invited as well, dear listener. You've got to get there early. There's only two tables, and they're tiny. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots on the show this morning, the last hour, uh, including there has been a third death at a private surgery centre in Hertfordshire. We'll hear more for, from Labour MP for Stevenage, Stephen McPartland, who's raised concerns about the clinic. Plans for thousands of new homes for Hertfordshire have been announced. We'll find out where and how you could be affected. And how have you done your Christmas shopping this year? Online? Or on the high streets of beds, hearts and bucks. I tell you now, if you actually went out to actual real shops to do your Christmas shopping, you're a Muppet. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send us a text, 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or, and we have a couple of lines free, so now's a really good time to give us a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Now, over the past few months, serious concerns have been raised about a private surgery centre in Hertfordshire at the beginning of November. We spoke to Michael Mancy from Hitchin, whose sister died at the centre, which is on the Lister Hospital site in Stevenage. Antonietta Mancy was 87 and had gone in for a routine knee operation. Now our colleagues at Inside Out have new evidence of a third death. The Labour MP for Stevenage, Stephen McPartland, has raised concerns about the clinic and is on the line now. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Ian. How are you? Yeah, I'm OK, thank you. What do you make of this uh, latest revelation that the death of a fir- third person from routine surgery is being investigated? Well, I mean, it, it's, it's completely shocking, and my thoughts are obviously with the family at the moment. But it's just a clear testament to the fact that Clinic Centre Carillion, the owners of this facility, um, are just not up to the job. I've made it clear to them and the Care Quality Commission, the service available to my constituents is just not good enough. What do you want to see happen, Stephen? Well, um, I've spoken to the Chief Executive of the Care Quality Commission face-to-face, and I've asked them directly to consider removing the licence to operate healthcare in the UK from Clinic Centre Carillion. Have you been able to speak to anyone at, at Clinic Centre Carillion at all? And Yes, I um, summoned... Um, we, I did two things earlier this year. Um, I summoned... Um, the owners to Parliament with some of my Conservative colleagues and um, we asked them what the hell was going on and they gave us a number of reassurances in, um, in later on in the year. Um, I then sat down face to face with the Chief Executive Carillion in July and um, asked, told them that the service was not good enough and they needed to get a grip and get the act together and unfortunately the reassurances they've given us have just not come through. The service continues to not be good enough, and it's time that they had their licence to operate healthcare in the UK removed. Stephen, what do you know about this this third death? Because we've, uh, when the BBC contacted Carillion, a spokesman denied that a third death was under investigation. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm aware that there are three deaths being investigated by an independent party um, under um, investigation from the Primary Care Trust who brought in an independent party to do that investigation. We're not allowed to go into the details of any individual case simply because of legal reasons Mm. and the families involved. Uh, Critics are saying that this is a a result of privatisation. What's your take on that? Well, oddly enough, um, the contract was identified started under the previous government in 2004 and um, that's when they started putting the contract together. However, um, the current government, my government, signed the contract um, just after the election and unfortunately it's just one of those situations whereby Carillion may have been a willing provider but they're certainly not qualified and we don't want providers like this in the health service. I know you've been following this uh, and and pushing this story a lot, Stephen. What, What do you do now? What's the next step? Well, um, I sat down with the Care Quality Commission uh, again last week while they represent us. We've had a range of discussions. I'm hoping to see some action um, over the next month or so. But the reality is um, we've got local GPs to stop referring patients to the surgery centre for a whole variety of disciplines. And this is a place where eye operations take place, knee and hip operations, so that people going in there tend to be elderly. And we're just asking um, GPs not to refer people to the facility. The primary care trust have instructed them not to refer them to the facility for specific indications. And the local medical council, which represents GPs, um, they've asked GPs to think twice about referring people there. So basically, if you've got a loved one or somebody you care about, um, anybody on the waiting list to go to the surgery centre, I'd urge you to ask them to go back to their doctor and ask to be sent to a different provider. 
Stephen McPartland, uh, Labour MP for Stevenage, thank you very much indeed, and no doubt we'll speak to you uh, again about this. Uh, the third death that we mentioned there has been confirmed to the BBC by the Chief Executive of NHS Hertfordshire, uh, Hertfordshire sorry, Dr Jane Halpin, but uh, Carillion uh, spokesman denied a third death was under investigation. Director Mike Hobbs said, We would like to reassure patients that concerns have not been raised regarding the competence of our clinical teams. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Have you done your Christmas shopping yet? Oh, they've not got long to go now. I'm done. All done and dusted. It's all wrapped. It's all hidden away from prying eyes. Um, and I'm, I'm sorted. Uh, wrapping Christmas presents, by the way, just go off on a slight tangent. Is there anything more dull? And men can't do it. Straight men can't wrap presents. Women and gay men, and this is a, a bit of a generalisation, but it's pretty much true. If you're getting a, pr- a present from a woman or a gay man, it's going to be wrapped immaculately. Like prop- the posh silver paper, there'll be bows on it, there'll be proper labels. It's going to look amazing. A bloke does it, a straight bloke, it's going to be the cheap paper... It's a bit shabby. Kind of the end bit, when you're supposed to fold it over, oh, there's a bit too much paper there, I'll just squash it up. It's going to look awful. Why is that? It's such a chore. Anyway, if you've done the Christmas shopping, uh, were you sensible? Were you rational? Were you laid back and reasonable like me? And you did it in the luxury of your own living room, online. Cup of tea, got your hobnobs out, computer on your lap, did it. Or were you a complete and utter muppet? And you went to one of the major shopping centres in Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Well, this is what some of you in the three counties have been saying. You've got to pay for delivery online, so you've got to spend more money. And you can't try it on if you get online. It's easier to shop in store. I like to look on eBay because they do have some good bargains. But have you ever found that when you've ordered something online, it's got to you and it's not been exactly what you thought it would be? Well, you can send it back and they'll, as long as you do it properly, the way they tell you to do it, you get your money back. I personally think online's brilliant, but you guys are shopping here now and you've got, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten bags that I can see. I'm guessing that if you had a choice between shops and online, you'd go for the shops, would you? Yeah. I think it's just that the atmosphere of shopping at Christmas. So the shops, going into the shops and the presents and seeing everything rather than looking online. And saving jobs and and protecting the uh, the stores. (laughs) Is this an event every year? you go shopping with each other is this every week (laughs) (laughs) i'm always a sucker for shopping online and seeing something that's ever slightly cheaper than it should be and then amazingly when it doesn't arrive from hungary six weeks later i i curse myself at having been gullible again everything's too big for my letterbox the post office is over there and i'm um, i'm on first name terms to go out for drinks with the people with the little red cards i'm always handing in and there's always a an 80 person queue and when you've ordered those things online have they ever been a disaster when they've got to you yes and all you have to do is then package them up with your full name a 2000 word essay on the decline of western civilization and the full postage about five times over and they'll consider giving you a refund so i do like shops but uh, oh. It's the shopping. It's, it's the, the people. people. <laughs> it's the people. It's the people. It's a reporter, Sophie Solaria, out there. Well, what do you think? Did you do it online, or are you a Muppet? Wanders around the shops. April, are you a Muppet? 
Um, this year, I think so, probably. Why? I mean, right, I've been shopping online since about 1995-6. Wow, I mean, was the internet around that long? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm probably one of the oldest members of a well-known auction site. Okay, yes. Back when it was only American, it yeah. didn't have the UK version. Wowzers. And pretty much for the last, I say, six or seven years solid, virtually everything has come online. Right. And then this year I decided, actually, oh, I no. want to dress up and go out and April. shop and do some proper shopping. Oh, dear April. Why did you think that? Because I, you... cho- I booked a day off. Yeah. So I went not in when everybody else is there. OK, so you go, go like, on a Tuesday morning or something when it's not yeah. quite so busy, yeah. Yeah, Tuesday or Monday, they're good. Yeah. Um, we dressed up, we made a day of it. You dressed up? You yes. dress up to go shopping? Yes, you should dress properly. What, to go to, go to Next and Topshop? You dressed Look, up? Some people are still wearing their pyjamas. Yeah, I agree with them. You don't, no one dresses up to go shop. I don't even dress up to go somewhere dressed up. Oh, no. Maybe I'm a shop snob, then. You're a shop snob, April. So you went and did it, and, and did you... Was it, was it a nightmare? Was it busy and people shouting and being rude and you had to pay for your car park and all of that nonsense? No. Huh. Free car parking at Milton Keynes. Oh, sweet! But what would you would you ever do it again? Uh, uh, I'm confused as to why you'd make the change from the luxury of internet shopping. I live in a village, right. and so a lot of my stuff comes through the post. I mean, I do a lot of online shopping. Yeah. The only thing I don't do online shopping is food shopping because I actually want to look at the food that I'm buying. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, I'll have that. I'm, I'm reluctant to do the online food shop. I do an awful lot of online shopping. So actually, every now and then, I actually want to see where my money's going. You are so retro, girlfriend. Yeah, well. And are you, do, I'm assuming you're the, um, you're the lady in the household. You're doing all the wrapping as well, are you? No, no, no. My husband mm. is far better at the, the no. you know, he's not good at everything in the world, but he can he's rap. far better at rapping than I am. What does he do for a living? What kind of job does he have? <clears throat> He's a house husband. Oh, oh, oh! I'm envious of him. I've always said to my wife, if she earned more money than me, I would, I would quit this this ridiculous job immediately. And be a house husband. He's a, he, he's good at rapping, and he, does he do the bows and all the fancy writing and stuff? Uh, no, ah. I do the bows and fancy writing. Oh. But he can wrap the really awkward presents and make all the wrapping paper look even and deep and straight. crisp and even. Yeah. April, are you, is there anybody you would like to thank this morning? We're having a schmaltzy, syrupy thank people day today. Who do you want to thank? Um, my act of random kindness, yes. Um, I'm going to actually thank my husband and my mother-in-law. Uh, oh, why? What's happened? They're both pretty marvellous people, and without them, without their support, uh, helping us look after my son, and, yeah, they're pretty marvellous people. Oh, do, April, that's wonderful. And, yeah, I know I'm, I'm being a little bit cloying and a bit syrupy, and so people will be going, well, this is what we listen to Ian Lee for, this is what, what, what we expect from him. It's Christmas. And I... I can be as soft as anyone at Christmas. A big bear. Not in that respect. He looks like a boy. He looks like a boy. He's wearing a very... Let me describe the scene in front of me. Jonathan Vernon-Smith, the... Yeah, that one, is here in front of me. Very smart shirt. I th- is... Where is that shirt from? Lewins. It's the kind of shirt I'd wear. Checked. I like checked <laughs> shirts. But I've got buttons in a mind look. Oh. I know. It's a very, very smart blazer on. Very smart. And a wonderful haircut. You've had it all. You, you look about... <laughs> yes, yes, I do listen. I am flirting with him. It's Christmas. <laughs> What's going it's on Christmas. with you? I'm flirting. You look wonderful. Thanks. You look, you look, you look about thirty years younger. <laughs> so you look about thirty-six now. <laughs> 
Can I say, we are having a, a, a schmaltzy <laughs> show this morning, Jonathan, and I do this you from are. time to time. I know I'm hard-nosed and I'm cold and I'm arrogant and I'm whatever, but today Christmas is melting my heart. And I want to say, seriously, thank you for making me welcome at Three Counties Radio. Thank you for doing an excellent radio show. And thank, you for, thank you for making these handovers so much fun. Are you... What, what, what's going on here? Um, no, I'm being, I'm being sincere. It's a sincere thing. Really? Thank you for letting me do a Boxing Day special with you. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for, thank you for just being such a nice bloke to me, because I know you're not to a lot of other people here. So thank you. No, 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 no. I know the truth. And I'm not going to say anything. Don't worry. This, the, the secret's safe with me. But thank you. People love me here. They do. What have you heard? <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing. So, thank you. Oh, thanks for it. No, thanks for being you. That's... Oh, oh wow. God, I'm going to be sick in a minute. No can one we... has... Can I just say, no one has said thank you to me yet. No, thank you just for being you. Sincerely, though. Thanks for having your beard. Okay. Thanks for, uh... You're really struggling if the second one you come up with is, is thanks for having a beard. Um... That's a real struggle. No, thanks for... Thanks for coming to the station. Um... Thanks for being fun. Wow. Thanks for, um... This is awkward. I really thought it would flow from you. Thanks for going shooting with me. What they say about you is absolutely true. Coming up on the big phone in this morning at nine, what do they say about me? What what is it? Hmm? (laughs) Can't repeat it on the radio. (laughs) Ask Catherine Boyle. She started it. Really? Yes. She's been showing me her Kate Bush upstairs. Coming up on the big phone in this morning at nine, would you ever turn a blind eye to shoplifting? Uh, New statistics from the Centre for Retail Research show that across the UK, half a billion pounds will be lost from businesses this Christmas. Wow. And why is that? Because of shoplifters. It's not just luxury goods they're stealing. In fact, most of the time, it's not luxury goods. More and more people seem to be stealing essentials like groceries, baby food and nappies. Well, we know that lots of people are struggling. The question is, would you ever turn a blind eye to shoplifting? Have you ever seen anyone shoplift? I've done it. What? Should should I not have said that on the radio? Years, 30, uh, no, 22 years ago. 22 years ago, I stole two CDs. Why did you do that? Couldn't afford them. I wanted them. There were two Elvis CDs. There was the Elvis 68 comeback special. I'm not proud of it. I'm just saying this to, to set the example. I'm hoping that you'll confess something in a second. Otherwise, I'm going to feel really awkward. Uh, Elvis 68 comeback special and Elvis live at Madison Square Gardens. I really wanted them. I put them in my bag. I walked out with them. But I felt so guilty. I mm. felt awful. I didn't get... Some people say they get a buzz from shoplifting. I felt sick and guilty and shameful and awful. I went back and paid for one of them. For one of them? Yes. The other one? I kept that. Right. Yes. I felt awful. Have you you ever taken I'd really like to join in. Please. And I've done lots of bad things in my life. I've never shoplifted. Wowzers. I've never shoplifted. I accidentally took a set of cutlery from John Lewis. Accidentally. And cutlery's quite expensive. Yeah, 350 quid's worth. I bought... I'll tell you the story. It was purely accidental. My £15 CD. John Lewis sell... They sell these nice wooden cutlery boxes that you store your cutlery in. Yeah. And I'd I'd already been given some cutlery, you see. So I thought, I'll buy the the box. Yeah. So I went down there, I bought the box, 60 quid or something. Lovely. As I went to to customer collections, I thought, this box is very heavy. Yeah. Got home, opened it up, they'd give me a box full of cutlery. So you went back and and returned them or paid for them? I took the whole lot back and I said to the chap, You've given me cutlery that I don't... I haven't paid for. Yeah. And he said, 
right, so what, you need more cutlery? I said, no, I don't need any more cutlery. Just take this cutlery out of this box. I'll just have the box. No, we can't do that, I'm afraid. Trying to get him to take the cutlery back was a nightmare. I thought, I'm trying to do a good deed here. I could have just kept it, but I didn't. You gave it back. But I just wonder whether people who are really struggling, you know, people who this Christmas, yeah, who have got the, the kind of pressure from their children, oh, mummy, daddy, come up, can I have yep. this for Christmas? Um, the people who watch the, the adverts on TV, they see the consumer, um, the, the commercialization of Christmas and mm. this constant pressure on people to go and buy this and you've got to have this on Christmas Day and you've got to serve this at the table on Christmas Day. If you've not got any money... Mm. I wonder whether that pressure can sometimes lead you to do silly things that you wouldn't normally do. So from nine this morning, I want to hear your view. Would you ever turn a blind eye to shoplifting? Perhaps I can find someone who would admit that you have in the past shoplifted. And if so, why did you do it? Was it because, like Ian, you couldn't afford something and you just felt that pressure and really wanted it? Or was it for a completely different reason? If you work in a shop, do you constantly see shoplifters? Do you always approach them? Or do you sometimes turn a blind eye? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's the big phone in from nine. Thank you very much. Call 08459 455555. 08459455555. Mia's mum told me earlier she's working closely with the hospital to ensure change. We feel actually um, quite encouraged by the response. We've actually met with the hospital four times since uh, since Mia's inquest and they've actually showed us their report that they actually did and asked us to feed back on it and provide information to it. So we're relatively comfortable with what they've put in because we really do believe that we're being listened to. The hospital's very keen for all of us to be involved with them They've put in a lot more support, a lot more sort of checking and compliance type issues, as well as investment in physical and communication type programs. So, but I guess you know they don't want it to happen again. We don't want it to happen again. So we're all just going to have to work together to see what um, what happens next. Well, it's a story that we followed closely on BBC Three Counties Radio. But it's not just Mia's case. The hospital has been criticised over the years after two other children died. Martin Weatherill is the medical director at Milton Keynes Hospital. Good morning, Martin. Good morning. Can you explain how you've addressed the coroner's concerns about how you care for seriously ill children? Um, Yes. The most important thing here is that we have uh, listened to parents, uh, including the three parents whose children very sadly died uh, at our hospital, uh, and the communication that we've had with them has been invaluable in feeding into the improvements that we've been making. These improvements have been ongoing for some considerable time because you will appreciate that uh, improvement in care isn't a finite uh, uh, thing. It is continually improving. But having the parents uh, explain to us some of the shortcomings, especially in terms of communication, has been totally invaluable for us to uh, improve our our care of um, children and, indeed, uh, adults. We've been running a We Care programme uh, for six months, and this is concentrated so far with adult parents, uh, sorry, adults, uh, adult patients and staff have been meeting them in a series of meetings over the last six months, 
and we're uh, including children and their families uh, into this uh, programme in January uh, next year. And will you be continuing conversations and discussions with uh, Mia's parents and, and other parents? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, the three sets of parents uh, we have met with on a number of occasions, and we will continue to do so. Uh, and we uh, are opening a forum for uh, parents and indeed children who have been treated in the hospital so that there is an open voice for people who wish to make comment about our care to come in and make comment to staff so that we continually improve our, our communication with parents and children. Uh, and as you will have heard earlier, um, we've now introduced a uh, box on part of the, the written pathways for care that parents can enter comments into uh, onto so that we, the, the staff in the hospital, can pick these up and use them as uh, uh, indicators of, Who, of children's illness. Who's going to see those suggestions in that suggestion box? The nurses, the doctors, the people that are looking after the children. It's part, it, it, forms, it forms part of the... Uh, uh, all of the uh, indicators that we use for, for looking at children uh, as to how ill they are. Um, and it's part of our early warning system, a paediatric early warning system. Because uh, some of the criticisms from the previous inquest have been the lack of communication between parents. Is, is it just a suggestion box you're doing to correct that, or have you got other things? No, there are, uh, there are many other things. I think, uh, as, as again you will have heard earlier on, um, the best person to tell whether their child is ill is usually a parent. Mm. And I don't think we've taken enough in, in the past. Perhaps we haven't taken enough notice of that. So there's a significant change in the way that we are looking at uh, how we deal with children and their parents. And, their pa and parents in future will have a, a, a massive input to, uh, to the care of their children. Martin Weatherill, Medical Director at Milton Keynes Hospital, thank you very much indeed. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Boom, boom, boom. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 8.32, here until 9 o'clock, then JVS takes over. Um, we've just had a rather snazzy picture taken of us. I have no idea what that picture was for, but uh, we were forced into a pose, and uh, he smells wonderful. He really does smell wonderful. I can never, I can never smell nice. I smell like I don't stink, but if I put aftershave on, and I, 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 I do like a nice aftershave, it doesn't really last. Within an hour, it's gone. You, you, you wouldn't notice I'd put anything on. Anyway. Coming up in the next half an hour of the show, plans for thousands of new homes for Hertfordshire have been announced. We'll find out where and how you could be affected. And you know the Dragon's Den. I love the Dragon's Den. Do you ever wonder what happens to the entrepreneurs featured on there? Well, in September, we spoke to a group of uh, young men who received £120,000 in investment for their fashionable tech accessory business. Basically, it's covers for smartphones, that's what it is. They'll be joining me again on the show in around 15 minutes' time, and we'll see if they can give me a few quid. Now... Back to this story. Plans for thousands of new homes for Hertfordshire have been announced. Seven sites have been identified, including to the east of Luton and west of Hitchin, to the north and east of Stevenage, and a new village of Rush Green. Tom Brindley is the Conservative councillor in charge of Enterprise at North Hearts District Council in Letchworth. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Tell us more about these plans, please. What we're publishing now is, uh, it's a rather fancy name, Strategic Housing Land Availability Assessment. What does what that it, mean in English? What it means in English is these are sites which landowners have put forward for potential development. And I think it's important to stress at the moment that's all they are. 
there's sites have been put forward. In total, there's uh, enough land being put forward for uh, around 30,000 houses. We do not intend to build 30,000 houses. Um, this is for the period up to 2031. So from these sites, we then have to choose which sites are actually appropriate for development. And later in, in, in the new year, we will be going out to the public for their views on this. So you, you say that you're looking at 30,000, but that's just because you're looking at all options. You don't want to make 30,000 houses. Uh, absolutely How right. many houses are you hoping to make? We're planning... We're working on a planning figure at the moment of around 10,700. Mm-hmm. And that would be, say, for the 20-year period up to 2031. Um, so they would build in over that period there. And, and that's... Uh, a number which is in line with the government guidelines which uh, came out in the the national planning policy framework. Why are these new homes needed? Because households are growing, they have an expanding population, and we're just taking care of the needs of the people of North Hertfordshire in their growth, and also those who want to move into the area. But aren't there developments when houses just aren't selling? That's a very good point, and one of the, the things we have to be aware of here is that houses only get built when developers and, uh, can sell them. So this is why this is it, it's quite a long period we're planning for. Um, we hope that the economy will pick up over the next 20 years and mortgages will become more available, and therefore these houses will be sold into the market. Oh, I hope the economy does pick up over the next 20 years, Tom. I'm hoping it's a bit sooner than that. Uh, you, and you just said you want to hear from residents on this. How can they get in touch? What, 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 what are you hoping to hear from them? Well, we'll be going out to a formal consultation in February. This is uh, a preliminary announcement here. We're just putting the sites out there. We really just wanted to get the message across that the fact that these sites are now in the public domain does not mean they're going to be built on. Uh, this is the, the, the start of a, of a long-term process. So we'll be going out for a formal consultation in February. Um, we'll then assess the results of that and uh, come up with then what we think are the preferred options, which would be uh, much later next year. Councillor Tom Brindley, thank you very much. On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, I should have asked him how he did his Christmas shopping. Tom Brindley sounds like the kind of gentleman that would go into shops. He would, he would traipse around the town and go into shops. How do you do yours? It's got to be done online, hasn't it? It's got to be... D- oh, is he still... Councillor, are you still there? I'm still here. Oh, good. I, I thought I'd, I'd got rid of you. We, we're talking Christmas shopping. Sorry to throw this uh, at you, but, uh, you know, let's get, let's get the human element here. How do you do your Christmas shopping? Are you sensible, sir, and do it on the laptop and do it on a computer, or are you a Muppet and you wander around the town? Well, I'm not a Muppet, and I do wander around the Ooh, town. Oh, Tom. Because, Tom. Because shops are actually the place to be. Yeah. And that's where you can really get a feel for the goods. Uh, you can see what you're buying. And I'm a great believer in shops. But you, th- all those people bashing into you with their shopping trolleys and the grumpy staff, does that not put you off? I actually like people. Really? I don't, you may be able to tell I'm not that keen on them. You're, you're, so you, you, you enjoy kind of going around and interacting with people? I certainly do. I think that the, the shop, shops have a social element to them as well um, as, as providing the choice. Uh, you can choose, you can try on. You can't do these things over the web. Who does the wrapping in your home of the presents? Oh, Julian does the wrapping. Right, OK, yeah. Are you, are you no good at it? Uh, I'm certainly not as good as she is. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Blokes, I don't think bl- straight blokes can do rapping. It, I do it and it looks absolutely awful. Tom, thank you very much indeed. There we go, Councillor Tom Brindley. Talking about the development and, and also telling us about his Christmas shopping plans. Carol says uh, on the, the email, Ian, I'm fully with you with shopping online. All mine is done that way too. But to do your own wrapping, 
I get the gift wrap option. And as I'm a woman who can't wrap, it comes neatly wrapped, and I can add the bows and personal labels. Do you have to... I've seen that. You can tick a little box, can't you? Is this a gift for someone? Would you like it gift-wrapped? Do you have to pay extra for that? Or is that free? Because I like it to be as cheap as possible. I always cheap the free del- uh, t- tick the uh, free delivery box. Don't, don't give me the, the, the first-class delivery. No, 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 no. Free, I can wait for three to five days. Jane has emailed in. I use Christmassy bags for wrapping. Sorry. And put coloured tissue paper on the top to hide the presents. Like you, I'm rubbish at packing presents. I suppose I did half and half Christmas shopping, some online, other presents I picked up from the shops. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. We've got twenty minutes if you want to give us a call on this. Um, where? Sh- oh, look at this. David Prever's on Saturday, six till nine. Join David Prever every Saturday for fascinating guests. I'll be the judge of that. With captivating local stories, a review of Saturday's papers, and music to get your weekend off to a cracking start. Or with David Prever, Saturday from 6. And on Sunday, Helen Lee, 6 till 9. She's always worth a listen. So you've got David, Saturday, 6 till 9. Helen uh, is on Sunday, 6 till 9. Gareth is... Uh, Gareth, where, where are you? I'm, uh, I'm on the M1. Don't oh. worry, I'm, uh, I'm legal. There we go. As long, as long as you're legal, Gareth, that's all we're concerned about. Do you, to tell, me, tell me about your Christmas presents. Right, I don't know what you're talking about, about guys can't wrap presents. Of course well, we can. You, you, straight blokes cannot wrap Christmas presents. We can wrap them, but they look blooming awful. Lee, uh, Liam. Yes? Are you telling me that I'm not straight? Well, I don't know. I, I, if, I, if I saw one of your presents, I'd be able to make a better assessment. Are you uh, good at wrapping presents? Yes, I am. What I'm about? As good as it, I'm as good as any woman, right. and I'm, in fact, I wrap a present far, far better, better than my wife. Wowzers! Really? Do you do? Do you decorate it with the bows and things? Uh, ah, <laughs> ah! She provides the bows. There we go. You. She, s- she puts the bows on. <laughs> so you can do the actual physical act of putting something in paper and sellotaping it up, but she's the oh, one yeah. that tarts it up and makes it look nice. You got it. So you see, Gareth, you're not quite as good as you're making out to be. And l- listen, I, l- I think we can salvage this relationship, OK? <laughs> are you sensible and do your Christmas shopping online, or are you a Muppet and go and do it in the shops? Uh, now, you see, if I was more organised, due to my very, oh. very busy lifestyle... Oh, Gareth. I, I, I can't get around to doing it online. Do you mean you can't get around to doing it online? It takes you an hour, and it's all done. It's easier. Oh, no. I, I must agree with you there. I do agree with you, Ian. Um, but, uh, yeah, life kind of gets in the way, and the missus ends up dragging me around the shop. And, and boy, don't, don't those... And I don't want to be sexist, but I'm going to be. Don't those ladies know how to drag us around shops, huh? They've got it down to a fine art. Gareth, uh, where, where are you actually going for Christmas? Are you at home? Are you off visiting family? What's the deal this year? Yep, yeah, it's family. Off to uh, spend Christmas Day with my parents, and then... Uh, Boxing Day with the Outlaws. Fantastic. Gareth, have a, there we go. Well done. Salvage it. Gareth, have a lovely Christmas. Well done. Uh, you see, it, oh, he phones up. He's the big man. Oh, I, I can wrap the presents in. I can wrap the presents. Yeah, it's his wife who makes it all nice and tidy and puts the bow on and does the silver string and makes it look a little bit special. Anyone can put something in, in silver paper and tape it up. We can all do that. But it's making it look a little bit more special, a little bit d- d- fancier. That's the trick, you see. That's the trick. 
08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. I'm just having a little look on Facebook to see. You've been posting on Facebook as well. Um, Christmas shopping, says Steve. The wife does it. Um, Scott says, I'll be going to the shops by bus later on, as I cannot uh, drive at the Mo. Shopping by computer is fine, but what happens if they don't deliver it in time for Christmas? Oh, Paul's picked me up. Ian, use of the word scattergun is a bit in bad taste, considering what has just occurred. It could upset some people, a tad insensitive. I said that I was, we, we were taking a scattergun approach to the show t- today. But, Paul, if you, if you were offended that, I'm sorry, but uh, I think you're being perhaps a little bit oversensitive there. I, I think we can still talk about guns, despite what's happened uh, in the States. Uh, I- I- Aidan says, please can we have a pick of JVS up? Ian Lee has been raving about Jonathan Vernon Smith and his appearance this morning. What does he look like today? I'm sure their picture will go up very, very soon. Let's have a quick look at the front pages of the newspaper, shall we? And it will be quick, because I'm getting hungry. I'm going for a Friday fry-up after this. Uh, The Guardian. Privatised GP service puts patients at risk. Doctors say staff shortages often make out-of-hours care unsuitable. And uh, there's a picture of a posh man drinking a glass of milk on the back of a horse. I don't know what that's about. The Times. The model son, Romeo, steps into the spotlight. David and Victoria Beckham's son, Romeo, behind the scenes at a Burberry photo shop. He's a good-looking lad. Is it right, really, to put... Your son up for a photo shoot at ten? Really? No one. Li- hey, listen. No one even knows the. I'm not David Beckham. But no one even knows the names of my kids. Let alone what they look like. Uh, and Tories lose support as voters turn to UKIP. Uh, the Independent. The great HMRC telephone ripoff. Revenue costs taxpayers 136 million pounds a year by putting calls on hold. Um, what have we got here? The Telegraph. We're living longer than we thought. Most women, uh, women are reaching 89 and men 85, beating previously expe- accepted life expectancy figures. Um, and Bradley Wiggins is to lead an unprecedented list of sporting knights and dames in the New Year's Honours list. He's going to be knighted for riding a bike in France? Really? We'll have a look at the rest of the papers a bit later on, but uh, uh, Avril is in Watford. Good morning, Avril. Morning. Who does the wrapping in your house? My husband. Why? He is perfect. Really? Every piece of paper is cut to exactly the right size. There isn't a spare corner. There's nothing rough. It's just... It takes him half an hour to wrap a present, but it is absolutely perfect. I think... That's interesting you say how long it takes him, because I can't be bothered. It takes me an hour to wrap all of the presents. (laughs) And I haven't got the dedication or the patience to sit there and do it all scientifically. Does he do the bow and all all the, 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 the trimmings? He, uh, if there's some available, he will put them on. But it's just the you look at it and you you, you don't want to open it because it is mm. wrapped so perfectly. My wife uh, is brilliant at wrapping presents. She does it. They look amazing and they're done perfectly. But my mum is, is 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 not very well and she's not particularly strong hands. Uh, and my mum can never open presents. My wife has wrapped and neither can children. She wraps them too tightly. Yep, and every corner is sellotaped over. There isn't a single gap. To get your finger under. <laughs> Avril, uh, giving away a little bit too much information. Oh, and I kicked a phone off out of excitement. Avril Watford, thank you very much indeed. Her husband does the wrapping and he does a cracking job. Let's get the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Rx as well. Yeah. Kate, are you there? We seem to have lost Kate. Oh, what we've done. Look, we've put Justin Dealey through onto, onto line three when we should have Kate Kinsella. Catastrophe. 
catastrophe. Let's see what happens. We'll find out. Kate, are you there now? I, I was there anyway. We, I was, I was ploughing through. We couldn't hear you, Kate. Myself. We couldn't. You, you were literally giving the weather to yourself, but it means you've rehearsed now. So this is going to be a stellar performance. Away you go. Okay, this is the real thing. It's going to feel much colder than that, and that's your forecast. Thank you very much. Well, isn't it interesting? I, I make a flippant comment about two hours ago about uh, Meltman being extinct in 1979, and you've all phoned in and gone mental. We've had uh, angry Meltman, uh, we've had uh, dairy owners who've hinted that perhaps there was a little bit of uh, the truth in Mrs Jones at number 63, uh, and we've uh, been sending Justin Dealey out. Justin, you've been on the hunt for Meltman. Have you found yes. any? Ian, I have. Oh. I found one. Yes, I've been, I've been driving around for ages this morning. I thought, you know what? I've missed them. Uh, they all maybe went home at about five or six in the morning. Somebody tipped me off they said go to Callington you will find a milkman and around 10 minutes ago I found Phil Rolf what a legend take a listen to this oh Phil that is the sound of real milk how long have you been a milkman for 30 years and what's the best thing about being a milkman being loyal to the customers is that how you stayed in business because a lot of milkmen unfortunately have gone out of business is it being loyal to customers that that has kept you going and looking after them yeah uh, if they want six eggs, they want six eggs then. Um, I carry spare, and you've got to look after them. Uh, the old folk are vulnerable. Um, some can't get out, and you just got to, you know, look after those ones. Clearly you're doing a fantastic job. Your hours, when do you start and when do you finish? I wake up uh, 12 o'clock, midnight, yeah. uh, travel to Watford, to Pentworth Dairies, and um, load up and then on the road to uh, start my deliveries. So when do you finish? Uh, about midday. 12 hour day? What, yeah. five days a week? Six days. Six days a week? Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Now, I've not had a bottle of milk for about 20 years. That disgusts you. That appalls you, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> for you, the best is gold top. Sadly, you've only got one left. That's going to a customer. I can't steal that. Tell me about this glorious pint of milk here. Right, uh, semi-skim is, uh, the fat's been taken out of the, uh, semi-skim. Majority of people have semi-skim. Phil, I can't wait any longer. Crack this bottle open for me, come on. Let's get this down me. Oh, look at this. Oh, this takes me back. Beautiful. I think I've even got oh. a milk tash, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> Phil, it's great to meet you today. I've been travelling around for 45 minutes trying to find a milkman, and there you were, about to have a cigar as well. You're a character. Have a Merry Christmas. Uh, yeah. You told me to shush then. Why's that? <laughs> Not supposed to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave it there. Phil, thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Oh, Daily, that was, that was milk porn. That was horrible. <laughs> I don't want to hear you getting, getting aroused by drinking some milk. That was well, the most disgusting noise I've ever heard in my life. When was the last time you had a bottle of real milk? Well, I, I drink real milk. I didn't know they still came in glass bottles, though. Oh, yes, they do. I've got it here. Listen to this. It's here in the radio car with me. Oh. I'm going to bring it back. It felt good. Phil, a milkman of 30 years, and can I just point out right now, when he had that cigar, he was outside of the milk flow. You're making it worse, yeah. Dealey. You're <laughs> going to get the... That was fella's been doing it for flow. 30 years. He's going to lose his job before Christmas because of you. He's going to be absolutely fine. What a top man, though. Top J- man. Justin, see you later on. Ta-ta. Thanks, Ian. Uh, now, um, back in September, we caught up with three young entrepreneurs who were invested in by Buckinghamshire's very own dragon, Peter Jones, the £120,000 of investment 
meant that brothers James and Richard Gold, along with best friend Lewis Blitz, could take their fashionable tech accessory business, Skinny Dip, to another level. We're joined now by uh, Richard and Lewis to tell us how they're getting on. Morning, chaps. Good morning. morning. You're Lewis. Yes. You're Richard. I am. Where's the third fella? Have you booted him out already? Oh, he's still in bed. (laughs) (laughs) Can't drag him out of bed at this time He hasn't got what it takes. We'll talk about the business in a second. I genuinely love Dragon's Den, right? Is it... Is it really done in, like, an old warehouse, or is it a studio somewhere? It's a studio somewhere, unfortunately. Oh, I know, we were re- We nearly walked out when we found out. Yeah. We, you know, we got there and they said it's a studio, and we said, no, we're not having that. But, you know, it's, it's just as scary, and it really? feels just like it looks on TV. Yeah. It feels like you've just stepped into your television wow. when you're on there, because you don't meet any of them beforehand. Right. There's no preparation, there's no, like producers saying oh don't worry relax you're going to stand here it's going to work this they just say all right walk in stand there and pitch and you go in and it's like it must be weird you walk down those steps and there's the drag there's duncan ballantyne it's theo is sat in front of you how weird is that yeah i mean it is it's just so surreal to walk in there and see five of them because we we watch you know we're avid viewers of dragon's den so when we actually sat there and we saw all five of them in front of us we were just like you froze a little bit didn't you You got a little bit nervous i I was a little bit nervous understandably so yeah I, I mean, it, just the whole experience was very daunting. I mean, yeah. one thing that actually happened is, uh, I mean, I'm, I don't know if you saw, but James memorised my pitch and Lewis's pitch. <laughs> that was it, yes. Yeah. That was it, yeah. And he was mouthing along, and wasn't he? Was he was mouthing along to me when I was speaking, and he turned around and, you know, for a 25-year-old man to say, my mum's going to kill me. <laughs> it's a little bit embarrassing. That's why we left him behind today. We don't want him to embarrass us he's, again. He's dragging him down a bit. So to, to remind us what the business is, Skinny Dip. <laughs> Skinny Dip is a new brand of iPhone, iPad cases, yep. headphones and speakers. But the idea is that it takes tech products and it makes them more fun, more exciting and more fashionable I as like well. fun, I like excitement. I'm not so bothered about fashion, but two out of three, I'm in. Yeah, all right, well, as long as you're in for the fun and the excitement. I'm there. Um, and the idea is that we sell into, like, fashion retailers yep. and the kind of place that... You know, hopefully our target consumer would actually want to shop and buy the products. So places like River Island mm. or Debenhams or, um, well, Republic, Next, Next, those sorts of places. Is the product out there now? Can people go and buy it? Yes, all the products out there and on our website as well. well give us, get uh, the plug for the website, go on. www.letts-skinnydip.com Oh, I That's see what you've done there. little plug. Now, Just Peter- managed to squeeze that in without anyone noticing. It's a smooth. <laughs> Peter, Peter Jones, who is, let's be honest, the tallest man in the world. I think he's seven foot six or something like that. He's insanely that. tall. It's ridiculous. Ha- he, he's, he invested the £120,000. How much contact do you have with him after the show well we had um a couple of meetings with him and he was really really nice and i think that um it was it's not as simple uh, when you watch a show mm. as kind of as you think it is because you right. shake hands on a deal and it's okay well you know we, we, t- we told you a little bit about business right we've got a deal great but then afterwards there's the whole long boring stuff that um contracts and negotiations <laughs> things like that so that's so you, there's a, still a bit of negotiation goes on afterwards oh a, a lot wow. a lot of um talking because i think that and you know maybe through our naivety as well i think you don't realize that this a business is a complex thing and it's a lot of money so yeah. um there's a lot of kind of a long process that goes on afterwards. and does well. he give you much input into does he say, lads i think you're doing that wrong this is what you should be doing yeah, well, when we sat down with him at first, I think that was, um, he kind of looked at our whole business as an overview and saw things in an instant that we didn't necessarily, mm. you know, that we we haven't seen after two and a half years. Um, but I think that 
you know, there's still, a, like I said, now we're still looking to see um, if that's even going to go, if we're even necessarily going to go ahead with Peter. But I think that already the input that he gave us just in meeting with him um, mm. helped us massively. Richard, have you got Peter Jones's phone number in your phone? No, I actually don't, but I have his email address. That's not bad. That's, that's not bad. That's I've, not got, bad. I've got Bannatine's phone number if you want it. You can have it. You can have it for a tenner. Yeah. <laughs> How did his hair get so thick and, and, and luxurious this year? <laughs> I don't know. I wanted to go over and stroke it and just ask <laughs> him what sort of shampoo he's using. He's, do, he's doing something. <laughs> is it selling? Are you, is your product selling? Thankfully, yeah. And I think we've had some of our products work perfectly for winter. And, I mean, we've got um, earmuffs with built-in headphones and hats. Oh. We're like, so they're just like flying out because... Yeah. I mean, we use them. They're such a great product that actually has, doesn't only look good, but it has a great function because, you know, you think about it, you're trying to squeeze headphones under your hat or under earmuffs. So Especially that, now when it's so cold out as well. We've got these yeah. touchscreen gloves. They didn't gloves, work so well in the are, summer. Which are, which are amazing. So yeah. Touchscreen gloves? Touch yeah. gloves. So when you're out and about, you want to use a normal pair of gloves with your iPhone, you can't use See, them. See, I've, I've just got one of those little uh, little pads. What do they call it? Pads. Uh, do, yeah. What do they call the things? It's not iPad. an iPad. Anyway, I've got one of those. Tablet. 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 That's yeah, the word. I'm such yeah. an old man. Look. <laughs> uh, and I, I've had to take my gloves off and do it in the freezing cold. You don't want that. No, exactly. And that's the point of the touchscreen gloves. You can use any sort of touchscreen device with the gloves which I want to apologise as well because I brought him told me to bring a whole bag of products for you I was going to say where are the goodies which I I brought and I left them in the back of my car so I'm relying on him for anything I got in a lot of trouble with him I was going to (laughs) say listen boys it's great to talk about it can I have some goodies so I can you haven't brought it (laughs) we'll have to send them in disgusting give us the website one more time www.lets-skinnydip.com thank you very much for coming thank you very much best of luck with that wow I'm just anyone else disappointed to find out that the Dragon's Den it's not really an old warehouse it's a studio well now my producer Laura who by the way thank you for being my producer you're excellent has just told me the boardroom in The Apprentice is not really a boardroom oh no Beds, Hearts and Bugs talking this is BBC Three Counties Radio his dreams are shattered thank you Ian 